Hello, and welcome to the Dad and Sons Podcast. I'm Matt Visual here. Uh, it's so weird to say my name like that. We have Liam. Hello. One of our lovely co-host. And another co-host, uh, definitely a dad, George. There's there's three of us. Three co-hosts. Three. I, I, I who who's the co-host? Who's the regular co-host? Oh. <laughs> you decide. No, you decide. decide. <laughs> We're having a vote off. <laughs> so how's everyone's week been? Uh, any um, floods? Happening? Oh boy, I tell you, it's been real hard. Oh, it's been so bad for me. I was like moving from one bedroom to another. I had to tear down a bookcase. Oh, it was uh, sweaty. It was it was intense. Mm. <laughs> So so tiring, so exhausting. Mm-hmm. How, how about you guys, Le- Liam? I really want to hear what Liam has gone through. What this you been week. up to, Liam? <laughs> how was your week in comparison? Uh, let's say my well, starting from last Friday, my week was uh, very wet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you had did a, a wet game make week. You wet? <laughs> Uh, no. Why? Why have you been so wet lately, Liam? Is it excitement? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe I was playing this kind of cool indie game called what the fuck was it called? It was called Ultra Space Battle Brawl. Um, that would make I, me I could, wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, right? dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like baseball and pong and arcanoid all mixed together in this weird <laughs> ass. Battle did, Pong did game. Did you just say bon- Pong? Yeah. In in in, they're like mixing Pong into genres now. Dude, like this this game. I I mean, it, it was a part of the story, and I'll get I'll get I'll explain more about it in a, in a minute. But going back to uh, the the being wet, unfortunately, it wasn't because of excitement. It was. Uh, it was maybe because uh, the area of Japan I live in, people might have heard about this, uh, the area I, Jap- uh, I live in in Japan decided um, that it would have the most rain it's ever had in its history, of recorded history. It's the highest amount of rain huh? in a concentrated period of time in a... Uh, in the history of Japan, almost. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if you, you know, guys, but when rain falls a lot, rivers <laughs> rivers tend to get bigger. And that causes something called flooding. And basically, half of the city I am currently in this very instant is underwater. Quite literally, underwater. The city that you're in this instant, now, inquiring listeners want to know, is that your home, where you live? Yes. So, where I oh, live... Oh, you're back. A, a city... Yes. So, so I live in a city called Okayama, which is about two and a bit hours away from Osaka in Western Japan. And the prefectures, which is like your states, uh, and in England, like counties, uh... The prefectures of Hiroshima, Okayama, Totori, eh, Ehime, Kagawa, uh, Hyogo, which were all very, very sort of Western Japan close together, just got absolutely annihilated with rain. 
Uh, starting like with maybe like some quite heavy rain Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to Friday, where it was relentless. I grew up in the UK, and you know the the joke is that it always rains in the UK, and Very you know gray. it kind of does. You know it's grey and it rains, but the rain you know always stops. It has periodic breaks where it's like I'm tired. I'm just gonna quit for a bit, and you know we'll let the clouds just hover over you, making you depressed at how great they are. And then we'll continue. Whereas this rain in Japan was like someone just left the shower on for like 60 hours. Just, it was so heavy and I'd never seen anything like it. Like in the whole history of living in the UK and being in Japan, I've never seen anything like it. It's rainy season in Japan. It usually rains quite heavily because of the humidity and sort of the tropical, you know, climate. Um, but this was just madness. And because of that, uh, I live in an area where there are lots of rivers. We have these rivers. And then up in the mountains, the, you know, the towns are very low in the bottom of the mountains. So rivers up in the mountains just overflowed and flooded the towns in the mountains and so friday night was when it sort of all kicked off and to preface this okay i'm the city i live in well the prefecture is supposedly the safest prefecture in all of japan for natural disasters like when we get earthquakes it's very minimal earthquakes we have the big island of shikoku in front of us so we don't get tsunamis and then usually we don't get any sort of natural disasters compared to, you know, Tokyo or, uh, you know, we had the big earthquake in Osaka not like three weeks ago. Um, so usually everyone's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm a safe as houses, you know? But those houses are now underwater. Uh- <laughs> and, and, and this is, with all due respect and seriousness, like this has been a really, really big deal, like yeah, emergency so- story. People yeah. have... Yeah, have uh, not yeah. made it out. Yeah, so you know we're sort of laughing about it because you know in hindsight you have to sort of laugh at these things. But as I'll sort of get into now, it's kicking off on Friday. You know, it's you know when we're recording this for me, it's Friday tomorrow. It's a week since, but nearly two hundred people have died, and seventy Whoa. plus people are missing in my prefecture. It went from fifty to two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, nearly 200 people are, are are recorded dead now. And in Japan, they don't record deaths until they they know. So that is 200 people thus far we know for sure have died. And and the 70 others are just question mark. Yeah. And across the prefectures, there have been 8 million people evacuated. That's like the size of a small country <laughs> like has been and... evacuated. C- correct me if I'm wrong, but you were um, among them for a while. Yes, I, I thought. Yeah. In, so, yeah, yeah. So what happened is in Japan we have these emergency alarms. I don't know if you have them in America. Like if you like, for example, you know, like California has earthquakes and stuff. Do you do you get like text alerts when? Are you supposed to get like text alerts when like a natural disaster or something is happening? I think you're supposed to. I, I get okay. flood alerts on my text sometimes. Okay, yeah. So in Japan, that happens quite frequently because obviously natural disasters happen in Japan like fucking every day, uh, whether it's a small earthquake or, you know, a typhoon or something. Uh, and most of the time, you know, I, I actually tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago about wanting to make a game based around receiving these text messages and panicking because... <laughs> 
they are they are complex kanji. They are kanji to do with natural disasters, and they are written in very honorific and keigo Japanese. So they are very professional, very difficult to read, and they are so hard to take in because when you get them, panic overwhelms you because you only get them if it's you know kind of serious, like something is happening. Uh, you know whether it's you're expecting an earthquake in the next few seconds or like a typhoon is happening or a tsunami like when your phone alarm goes off and everyone's goes off at the same time so if you're in a public place it's fucking horrifying you just have all these alarms going off uh being foreign you pull them out and you look at it and you're like i don't even know what the fuck is happening i I can't read this so like panic overwhelms you because it could be either the biggest earthquake Japan is about to experience ever, and you you just don't know it, and you're waiting. Or it could be like a minor thing where like an area near you needs to you know be precautious about something that's happening or going to happen. So mm-hmm. they are quite scary as a foreigner to get because unless you are you know fluent completely fluent in Japanese, and I can you know read some kanji, I can scan it for like jishin, which is earthquake, and I didn't know what the kanji for flood was until you know this week. So you look at it and you're like, fuck, what do I do? What is, what is happening? And I feel like that's an important distinction to make. Like you've been studying Japanese for all these years, but there is a specific symbol for flood. One word of hundreds of thousands, I guess, in total. You're supposed to like know 2000 of these by the time you're, you're out of high school, right? Yeah. But even if you know it, you don't know the severity of what is happening, right? You could be like, flood, and you'd be like, oh, like, God. Like, you should know how to read this stuff, and, and yeah. the emergency text messages are apparently too complicated. Oh, God, it's horrifying. Whoa, it's I did so not scary. Know that. <laughs> That's a weird problem to think about as, as yeah, an English you know, speaker. It's, it's not, like, if you got a text message on your phone that said, 6.5 magnitude earthquake, you'd be like, fuck, I'm yeah, getting they, under my desk. They, they'd also, like, make sure it could be read. Like, they would make sure it would be as, like, dry and simple as possible. Yeah, and we don't get English language versions. You have to, you know, Whoa. Google them if if they, someone translates it fast enough. Um, I think you probably sign up for some, but I've never found them. So, what happens is, and it happens every time, is if you're in a public place or you're at work or whatever, you basically look at your Japanese friends or co-workers for panic. <laughs> and like if they're panicking then that means it might be a good idea for you to panic yeah because japanese people you know they're used to this bullshit they're used to mother nature battering them like <laughs> oh my god like constantly right so they don't panic very often even if it's usually it's very like stunned silence and while they listen to the alarm or they read the message and then they decide like so there's like a few like 20 seconds or so where you're looking at them and you're waiting for them to like move or decide and then if they carry on with what they're doing you're like oh, oh, oh it's fine it's fine it's okay it's fine right but then if like they're like shit get under your desks then that's when you start panicking um but Friday night was a little different because I was at home on my own and I live in Okayama City uh, and, you know, I know a couple of people who live in the city and stuff like that, but they, you know, it's not close proximity to anyone. So I kind of live here on my own and it's, there's not really anyone I could just like quickly like go to their house and like find out what's happening. So, you know, I got home and... and I noticed the rain is like rising and it's continuing. And then all of a sudden, like from about 7 p.m. onwards, we start getting alerts like every hour, like 
every, I don't know, even like half an hour, it was just alert after alert after alert after alert. And it was different area, like different wards. Like Japan is like each city is split into like north, south, east, you know, uh, west wards of the city mm-hmm. and it's just like if you live near this river evacuate now if you live here we need to evacuate the elderly now because it's slower and we need to take precaution and it was just like every 30 minutes to an hour just alarm after alarm after alarm after alarm and you're just panicking constantly because you're watching this unfold and like god like absolutely bless my poor girlfriend who is maybe who lives about you know, an hour and a half away from me, Hyogo, which was hit quite badly, but not as badly as the areas I live in. You know, she's super worried about me being in Okayama, and I keep sending her these alarm messages like, please, please, Ran, translate this one. <laughs> Am I going to die? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> Do I need to evacuate? Like, you know, and she's like trying to translate it as quickly as possible to like tell me what to do and stuff like that. And every... 30 minutes or so I'm just like Ram what do I do like do I need to like go buy some water do I need to put like an emergency backpack together because like if you evacuate you have to like you don't know how long you're going to be gone for right like in the worst case scenario like Kurashiki which is a it's it's like a a part of Okayama city about 20 kilometers away from me like not far at all like a 20 minute drive it's like completely submerged and destroyed like it was underwater like, if you Google pictures for Kurashiki, Okayama, flood, you will be amazed. It's just, it's it's essentially like the whole town is a river now. Like, so the people who evacuated, they're going to go to homes that are just destroyed. So, like, you have these backpacks, these emergency backpacks, just in case, like, you ain't coming back. Like, your house is not going to be here. Or your apartment is going to be destroyed or whatever. Like, so you have, like... You know, mobile phone chargers, torches, like cup ramens, uh, lots of bottles of water, battery packs. So in packs. your panic, what did you bring from your house? So I bought like I, I went to the store quickly, and you know, also cup ramen. Yeah, because like a lot of people have like hot water canisters and stuff like that, and it's like cheap, easy, uh, easy meals, easy Last meals starter. that don't it that don't like go out of date and stuff like oh, that, yeah. right? If it works for Big Boss, exactly. You know, so I went and I, I bought like a couple of cup ramens and I bought like uh, three bottles of water and I, I had like my backpack with a battery charger in there and stuff like that. No, come on. And, come uh, on. I, I mean, what did you bring from your house? I'm not talking oh, about all so, this. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, so, you know, the night is going on and mm-hmm. it's getting worse. And I'm hearing, you know, from friends and other people, like I'm looking on Twitter as well. And like, I'm just seeing pictures and bearing in mind, it's really dark, you know, it's, it's nighttime. So people can't really, ju- like, you can't take pictures of rivers in the dark. Like, it doesn't show you this, the full scale of what is happening until you see it in broad daylight, like the next day when we saw like the pictures of Kurashiki. Like, you kind of just, like, completely, like, what is happening? Like, I have no fucking idea what is happening, you know? And I'm just getting these pictures, and I'm, I, and I'm like, my God, like, the whole city, it's like the apocalypse. It's, like, literally the apocalypse. Like, just in different areas uh, where I, I go, like, or bars I go to, or, like, restaurants I know, or, like, places I've been, just all of a sudden are, like, 10 feet underwater. Like... 
There are two meters of water everywhere and just stuff is flooding in and friends are being evacuated. They're going to like the local schools because they have to get away from their apartments. And all while this is happening, I'm thinking my apartment is on the bottom, is on the ground floor. And I'm literally 500 meters away from a river. And I can't, I like, I can't stress this enough, right? The river I live near is very small and there is like a three meter, like, slope towards the road where you walk down some steps to go down to like some tennis courts and basketball courts which are riverside this river's super wide so it, it, usually this river like let's say it's like 20 feet down from the top of the road like if you if you're looking down it's about 20 feet I didn't think about it, but then I was like, shit, I wonder what the state of that river is. Like, am I, like, going to have to evacuate because of the Shakengawa, the river next to me? And I'm like, like, if that breaks the bank, that's just going to, like, go down the hill and just flood my apartment. Like, I am the one of the first people who's going to suffer from that river. So I, like, I'm like, okay, let's go check. You know, I go outside in the absolutely belting rain to this river, and I look, and I'm like holy fucking shit this basic ravine like this tiny river was like an ocean it was an ocean i've never ever seen anything like it like it had grown wide by at least 50 meters like it had just swallowed whole this whole area the tennis courts and basketball courts were completely underwater. And the bridge that goes over the top of it, usually there's a gap of, you know, about three or four meters in height. Like, the water was overlapping over the bridge, like, splashing onto the road. Like, it was, it was like someone had just, like, photoshopped a river, like, into (laughs) this place. And I'm, like, panicking as fuck right now because I'm like, it's only 8 p.m., And if this carries on all night like it's supposed to, that river is going to just, like, burst through. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So then luckily these, like, uh, these firemen pass and they're, like, they're basically observing the height of the river and they're notifying what the changes are and the the rate and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm speaking to them in Japanese and I'm trying to talk to them and I have my girlfriend on the phone and she speaks to them as well. And they're basically saying, you know, don't worry now, don't panic, it's it's more dangerous for you to be outside. Uh, Just basically keep checking the alarms to evacuate. But, like, this river um, is really wide. So... Like, fingers crossed, it will not go over the top. And I'm like, dudes, could you see it? It's like, it's like literally half a meter from going over the top. Like, at this rate, we're going to all drown in this river. And they're like, no, no, don't worry about it. You know, we've done the calculations. It should be fine. I'm like, fuck, I, I hope you guys are right. Um, and then I go back and then, like, there's this, like, ditch near my house where, like, the water passes through for the rice fields. And I'm, I come back and I notice that's just, like, overflowing as well. And that's pouring into the car park of my apartment block. And then I'm, like, looking in the dark because I didn't notice. You know, I'm splashing in water thinking I'm just walking through the rain. But actually, my, like, my feet are in, like, water up to, like, halfway up my leg. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, fuck let alone that river bursting. Like, this ditch is going to flood my apartment as well. What is going on? This is just madness. Like, there is so much water. And at this point, I'm thinking, I have to leave. I have to 
evacuate. I I honestly don't yeah, want to leave it too late. Place. Like I don't I don't want to leave it too late. Like by the time the evacuation call happens, like I just don't want to be in a position where it's impossible for me to leave. You know, so, or I have to get on the roof or something. So you don't know if your house is going to be there. Okay. So yeah. So what are you bringing with you? <laughs> Okay, so this is what happened. So my idea then, my bright idea was to drive while it was like at the peak of its like rain. Like I didn't want all of the rain to fall and just the roads to become completely impassable. Like I was like, right, I'm going to drive the hour and a half to my girlfriend's in Hyogo because it's, it's not that bad over there. Like it's pretty bad, but it's like not end of the world bad like it is here. And... I'm like, okay, I need to basically pack everything that I want to take with me that's safe. So I took my hard drive. Okay. <laughs> I, took my, I took my laptop. Because the hard drive, oh, okay. I, so the I, laptop, literally, yeah. I literally just did a backup the other day of like my new game that I'm working on. And like, if I'd lost that hard drive, I would be just... I would be mm. in hell. I'd be so upset. So I took my laptop. I just like the, the order you list them in, you put the hard drive before the laptop. laptop yeah, so. yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my laptop's breaking anyway. So it's like, well, the hard drive has everything on it, whereas the laptop is like, you know, the laptop's falling to pieces. So so I, the laptop, the hard drive, I took my Switch. Um, uh, what else did I take? Uh, I took like phone charges and stuff. Uh, what I think that was it. Like I, I tried to, I, I basically tried to carry light. But what I did do is then I put because my my bed is like on is quite high up. Like it's on top of like a cupboard. Like there's a cupboard underneath my bed, like in my apartment. And I I just started putting everything on top of it because it's about four foot off the ground. So I was like, well, if this place is gonna flood, I'm gonna at least try and put all of my electronics like on top of it. So if, oh. even if there's like two feet of water, like it, they should still be okay. They, they got five feet of shelf. Yeah, <laughs> so I basically am just like putting this shit on top. And like, thanks to George, George bought me uh, a, a, like a birthday present. He bought me like a, an electronic fan for my desk to stop me flooded. from. No, to stop me from over overheating in the summer, and I was like, I can't, I can't let George down. I, 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 I was like, I was unplugging his, I was unplugging his fan so that he bought he me. The fan. Yeah, so I put the fan, the fan, the fan in my yes. car. I was like, I'm gonna take this new high tech fan that George bought me, and I'm gonna take it with me like a baby. I'm gonna strap it into the back. So I start driving. Priorities. I start driving to like I drive maybe ten minutes down my road, and I have to stop because it's too dangerous. You know that scene in Jurassic Park where Dennis is trying to leave the island and it's just absolutely pissing it down with rain, and then he gets spat on by those tiny little dinosaurs. I hated that scene. Uh-uh. It was the scariest yeah. part uh-uh. of the movie. It's horrible, right? And he can't see through his glasses because it's pissing it down. And, like, yeah. he just can't see anything, right? That's what it was like. Newman, no. <laughs> that was what it was like, minus the dinosaurs, unfortunately. Minus the dinosaurs. That is exactly what it was like. It was just, like, impossible to see. Like, you're driving through darkness, but there's water everywhere. So all of a sudden, like, you lose grip on your steering and you can feel it in your tires. And I'm like, I am literally 10 minutes down the road. I can't drive for two hours in this. It's impossible. Like, I would probably die or get in an accident 
So I had to turn around and go back to my apartment. And by this point, the water had risen more. And I, I was looking at the river and the river looked like it had got higher. And I'm like, one of these motherfuckers is going to take me. If this river is going to take me or I'm going to drive and I'm going to crash. Like, so, so like the, today is not my day. So unfortunately, I can't do anything about it. And there's nowhere for me to go. So I'm just like, well, I have to go back to my apartment and wait it out. So then I'm like, well, I might as well just play the Switch on my couch and ignore everything. Oh my <laughs> god, you played video games? Yeah, so... In I, a natural I would, disaster? So I sat, I pulled my couch down. I didn't bother hooking oh everything up. I didn't want to I didn't want to put all the plugs back in, so I, so I just sat on the couch. That, that's like some weird Black Mirror gag. I know, but it's like all you can do. Like you're, you, like at the back of your mind, you're like, I, I, I guess just I just to... never thought of it that way before. And that's the thing about the switch is like another great thing about it. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want to plug, I didn't want to plug all the electronics back in in case of like water damage. So it was so, just like I'll just play the switch on my couch and just you know if I have charged? to leave. Yeah, it, thankfully it was. I'm just charged. like imagining it. A Nintendo, like, PSA commercial. Like, I'm imagining sitting down on the couch in in fall of 2005, flipping on the news to, to see Kanye West, like, scream about how George Bush doesn't care about black people in the middle of the levees breaking and the <laughs> Katrina hurricane flooding New Orleans and everyone having to evacuate. And seeing this, like, Nintendo PSA, where it's like, together... We're helping rebuild the nation. As the camera swoops across crowds of refugees playing their switches, we're keeping America entertained in this time of crisis. No. Oh, man. No. So, essentially, I'm sat there on my couch playing Ultra Space Battle Brawl. This, this baseball-like Arkanoid Pong clone. And you're already wet. Um, and oh you know like my this is terrible this you know is my terrible. clothes my clothes are wet i'm soaked through the rain and i'm like well i'm not going to change my clothes in case i have to like hightail it out of there and get wet again and i'm just playing the switch i am literally like my my phone alarm keeps going off like it's like evacuate the north ward of okayama city evacuate the east ward of okayama city seriously if you live near this fucking river evacuate right now and it's just all these alarms go off and then I kid you not, I'm playing this game that's all about, like, s smashing a baseball across a screen, like, in space, causing super damage. I hear this explosion. Okay. I hear, I hear an explosion. An right? explosion. And I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, no, an explosion, okay? Oh, I, so, I'm like, what is happening? Did I just dream that? Is that part of the game audio or whatever? I'm pretty sure that was an explosion. And I thought, because usually that sound is usually like an earthquake sound, like very sharp and quick. Like, I'm like, oh, no, is an earthquake happening at the same time as this flood? That would be so typical of Japan to have an earthquake and a flood at the same time. But it, 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 it like nothing happens and it passes. And I'm like, it must have just been like the game or, or like something must have just popped outside. But it, you know, I've never heard a bomb in my life or I've never heard like a gunshot or anything like near me. Oh. You know, I've seen videos or and heard the sound and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like a, a like a bomb sound, like an explosion. You know, and, I, and like time passes and I'm trying to play the game because I'm trying to just like, you know, if I'm 100% honest, I'm freaked out. Like, I'm like, 
this is, you know, you know, 200 people have died, like, we know now. Like, this is super serious. People are evacuating across the city. Eight million people evacuated. This is... And you're this playing is video the, games. And I'm playing video games, but I don't know what to do. I'm messaging Ron. I'm messaging my girlfriend, like, what do I do? And she's like, you have to just, you know, it, um, unless it says evacuate and tells you where to go, like, you, there's nothing you can do. And I'm like, well, what else can I do apart from sit here and, and, you know, keep checking my phone? I might as well just try. Can and you canoe to the other city? To well, evacuate? that's what happened. In Koreshki, they had to get Wait, canoes what? and boats to get old Wait, people you, off. Was I right? <laughs> no. So that didn't happen to me, but oh. it happened like 10 minutes from here. Like, old oh people God. were stuck on their roof. Yeah, I guess. Like, what? How There's else a picture would they get of, out? This, this is how bad it was. There's a picture of a horse on a roof in Koreshki because the water rose so high, the horse broke out of its pen and swam on top of a roof wow. and was found on top of the roof of a house. It was so bad. But I'm trying to play this game, and I'm like, that was definitely an explosion. And then I check my phone, and then everyone is messaging about the sound. And I'm like... So I wasn't the only one who heard that. So then that must have been something. And then, you know, slowly people are trying to find out information. And then everyone finds out that maybe, I don't know, 20 or so kilometers away, maybe 30 kilometers from where I live in a place called Soja, like a very small town, a like aluminum, aluminum, whatever you want to say, aluminum factory had exploded. So So, the the, city flooded... One so, thing leads to another. It, it gets yeah, so, complicated. A, a so series of, floods, of events happen, and an aluminum factory explodes. Explodes. So the wow. what must have happened is the flooding had caused like electrical damage or an electrical surge. Th- this was nobody's day. It was nobody's day. But I've seen videos of the explosion, and holy Jesus Christ! No one died thanks to the explosion. But I've never seen anything like Wait, it. Wait, thanks to the explosion? Like, you know, no one died because of the explosion. People have died because of the flood, but not the actual explosion itself. Like, no one died because of that. But I've seen the video of the explosion, and it's... I have no idea how anyone in that area survived. It's so big. Just like, it has like... You know when... Not like a nuclear bomb, but you know when a bomb goes off and it has the initial explosion and the white flash? And then it has like a second explosion where everything, like the whole sky just goes like bright white and just like there's like the aftershock of it. Whatever chemicals were in that factory had caused this huge explosion that within a hundred kilometer radius of Okayama, people heard that explosion. Oh, I have some, some bad news. I've been Googling it while you're talking about it. Yeah. One one of the headlines that comes up is Japan time. One dead, a dozen injured in Fukui chemical plant explosion on July 3rd. Is that the one? Yes. Oof. I think so. Yeah. So Asahi Aluminum Industry. Can you can you see the video? I can't find the video. So uh, actually, I'm gonna. I, I have. I have this. I found a. Re- I found a Reddit like thread about it. Like there's a dash cam. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So that is like the aftermath explosion. Like you can see, and it, like the pictures, like of the like combinis and like the houses. Just all the windows are smashed in from the like aftershock, and uh, the shockwave was so large that people heard oh. it. 
a hundred kilometers away. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we have all this flooding and we have explosions going off. And I'm just like, dude, I'm just going to, I'm going to truly sticking to my brand. I'm going to die playing video games. Like, <laughs> this is it. This is what's going to happen. So what's up? <laughs> fellow gamers <laughs> what's up fellow gamers in heaven what's happening it's how did boy. you pass how did you pass i was playing the switch on my couch as the water levels rose and rose <laughs> where you're just but, like holding onto the ceiling with with the switch in one hand and yeah uh, yeah so uh, to to essentially you know i i think i've gone on too long about this but to essentially cap it off, uh, you know, we had all this water and explosions, and I I couldn't sleep. It was so mentally stressful. You just, you know, it, the, the one thing I can say about earthquakes is, yeah, they're horrible and devastating, but at least they happen so very quickly that they're over and you can get on with your life if you're still alive, right? Whereas with the flood, it was just like nine to 10 hours of nonstop alarms and evacuation notices. And it was like, you know, when you watch disaster movies and they unfold over a matter of hours and it always is like at nine 30 and it's like, we had an explosion at the soldier aluminum factory. And it was like that constantly. You're just getting updates from people who live in the city. And like, they're like, we're evacuating here. Like you need to get out if you're near this river or, uh, we've heard that this combini is completely underwater and people are trapped inside. And you're just hearing all of these mad stories that you're like, is this a fucking movie? Like what is, what is going on? Uh, about 5 a.m. ish, like it's starting to get a bit brighter. And you know, the light sort of gives you the, the, the safety of seeing like what is in front of you. And you can see how much the water was. And it was, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's just water everywhere. Like so much is flooded. And, my area is like, there's just all the rice fields are completely like ponds. They're full of water completely. The roads just have huge, huge overflowing of puddles and uh, just uh, so many roads have become like rivers and had to be closed. Um, but because it's bright, I uh, attempt to drive and I started driving to the rain had like slowed down a bit. So it wasn't too bad. But I tried to drive to my girlfriend's again in the in the light instead of the dark this time. And um, a, a drive that usually takes me about an hour and a half took me four and a half hours. Yeah. Four and a half hours because so many of the roads were closed. So much. So many of the towns I usually go through were completely underwater. So I had to bypass them. I couldn't go into the mountains. I had to go closer towards the sea. Because, you know, the port towns and stuff were fine because the water just filtered into the sea. And so you ended up doing it, doing the drive. Yeah, so I did the drive. Um, oh. And I drove all the way there. And then just the whole day while I was still in Hyogo, like, I'm still getting messages about Okayama and evacuations. And then there is an evacuation call for Higashi Okayama, which is where I live. Like, they're like, if you live in Higashi Okayama, we need you to leave now because the Shakengawa with the river next to me is like in a burst. Thankfully it didn't burst. I found out later. So when I returned on Sunday night, I had to return. My apartment was not flooded. No way. Yes. My apartment was safe. It was good. Damn. I survived. 
But we had power outages for days, so this podcast is being recorded two days later. <laughs> wow. But I survived. Floods can't kill me. Yet. But oh, geez, do, you know what? do you know what, guys? I want to thank video games. <laughs> that's, that's a better track record than my hurricane relatives. Yeah. Like, I, I will be honest, like, it was so stressful that, and there, there is nothing I could do. I, and, you know, it's cliche to say, but video games, like, playing Super, what is it called? I keep forgetting its name. Ultra Space Battle Brawl. <laughs> this, you know, it's a game that's, it, it's, an, it's an intense game that requires reactions and requires you to, you know, hurry up. Oh my God, has Dr. Driller returned? Yeah. I think Mr. Driller's back. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. I did hear that. I was like, oh, is someone playing a anyways, game? Anyways, anyways, please, please continue. <laughs> oh, okay. Basically, this, this, this fast, intense baseball pong arcanoid like competitive game distracted me from the apocalypse with which was unfolding around me. And I'm kind of thankful for that because it was mentally taxing. And, you know, for some people, unfortunately, not 10 minutes or 15 minutes by car from me, you know, their lives are like irreversibly changed. They've lost their house. They've lost cars. They've lost animals. They've lost family members. Like it was, it was insane. Like I, I cannot, I do not want to experience anything like it again. And you know, even in moments like that, being distracted and sort of like trying to focus on something else was kind of nice and was helping. So video games do some good sometimes, uh, even in crazy cliche situations. Even though video games are bad. Yeah, you know, gamers, they're they're bad. Gaming disorder is... uh... What I mean, to be fair, like if I games. was if I was high on heroin, that would have been distracting as well, and also bad for my health. So, <laughs> you know, it swings both ways, really. So, thank um, you, hypothetical heroin. Yeah, thank you, video game heroin. But yeah, that wow. was my week, Matt. Distract me with with how much you liked Octopath Traveler's demo. Oh, oh, um. Do I have to be nice to you because you've went through a tragedy? <laughs> no. Okay, Do you not good, like it? Because Octopath Traveler did... Uh. <laughs> it, okay, like, so the game looks great. And I thought it was... I don't think it's bad. I just think it's kind of... Just like the writing and the story was kind of just mediocre type of thing. Like, it so follows the a demo, formula yeah. for each character... Yeah, the formula. It's the just formula is so real. Boring. Yeah, like, like <laughs> And then when you when you go to each character, when you you know, you pick one character and then you go to all the other ones, uh they follow the same damn formula. You know, you talk with them and you do a dungeon run and then you do a boss battle at the end and they just don't interact with each other. They just end up following you by the end. Yeah, that is super weird. And and when I I was like, nah, this can't be true. I, I looked up 
like some early reviews for people who have played 20 hours into the game and it doesn't change. Yeah, that's what I've heard separate, as well. Separate like chapters for each character. They don't interact other than some like little loading screen interactions and that's it. That is the weird. When the story starts, it you just see that one character there. You don't see any of the other characters around them. That is the weirdest thing ever. And this is the guy who what? Who made what? Final Fantasy VI? Was it Final Fantasy? I can't remember. No, I don't think. I think maybe he was on the team. But is it? Isn't it one of the producers who made Bravely Default? Which yeah, is a really yeah. good game. Yeah, I, yeah. I, but even that had its ridiculous play through the game once, and then you have to do everything again with slightly different things. That's so. I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. it I, I was just like, I'm not going to get this game. <laughs> I'm not going to get this game. It, uh, it, it was a turn off automatically. Um, it, so I got in the mood for... Because um, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the turn-based combat. I was like, okay, this is not as bad as I thought it was. Maybe I'm just in the mood for it. And I was like, let me go play a game that's supposedly good and old school. And I picked up Final Fantasy VII. I've never. <laughs> You've never played FF Seven. No, no, I've never beat it. I I played oh, it multiple oh, times when I was young, and yeah. never beat it. I am almost forty hours in. <laughs> Does it still hold up? Because because that's that's a risky say. game to talk about nowadays. Yeah, FF Seven is like a ocarina levels of like fan insanity over it. I was interested. Cut, like I was like, okay, if I play the first couple hours and it doesn't draw me in, I'll just I'll just quit it. You it's know? also good that you've played it before because that means that like you know you you at least aren't gonna be like, what's up with these Super Nintendo sounds and the the model quality? So so I assume we're at least not gonna go through like that. No, uh, it trial. actually it's actually pretty. At least okay. Let let me just start with the first disc. The first disc is like really good. <laughs> like yeah, the, still the, 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 the camera angles the music like um Ooh, which version also were you playing because the there's PC a few version. i'm playing the, PC. the latest one or the original pc version uh the latest one where they switched the music back oh boy because that that i think had some weird square enix drm going on on the steam version that they might have stripped out by now later though yeah there's nothing wrong it's, you just you just play that's it Nothing happens. Good. Uh, I don't know. Good, I don't good, think good. the DRM is there. At least I w- it would show up, wouldn't it? Um, I, I didn't. I wasn't there when all Sometimes that crazy Sometimes if it stuff. works as intended, it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, nothing was going on. It n- there's been no problems whatsoever. Um, I I gotta say, like, it, it's actually it's actually pretty pretty good, and it holds up in a weird old school way. Um, now. When you it get holds old, up in a weird, weird old, school old school way. way. <laughs> yeah, like, like, okay, if you were to go back to play it, like I'm it like, held I, up in 2002, but... <laughs> okay, when I played it, I, I understand why people like it. You know, and I don't yeah. get that from a lot of stuff that I play. I'm like, oh, you know, we were just in back in the days, you know, stuff like that. But no, yeah. no, I, I, I think it's... Um, the way they did certain stories were, um, were good. It, 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 
you know how I, I've been gotten kind of bored with like JRPGs lately because the, the stories are always like just, just like cookie cutter, like dumb, dumb stuff. And at least FF7 <laughs> still has uh, retained its own unique setting and like visual style over the years. Yeah, like uh, this one, like the way that, um, for instance, um, I forgot her name already. Uh, the ancient girl. Oh, no. <laughs> Aries? Aries. Really? Aries? The most important like character in video game, right? The, the Shakespearean plot twist to the in? third act. Like the way that Aries? The way that Aries uh, oh, I'm meets sorry, her I mean, stepmother Aerith. is like good. Like that type of stuff. You know, the stepmother was waiting for her husband to come home every day and then like that type of like you don't get that out of the some of the jrpgs i've been playing it, it just kind of sucks there's a lot of things that uh, final fantasy 7 got right back then that games don't get right now like there's like this scene where they they backtrack um you know when you you, you meet you're, you're you're playing a part with cloud and sephiroth uh, am i spoiling shit I think I'm so well, playing the part for with Final Fantasy Seven. I think yeah, it's yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, like like it, like if you really haven't played Final Fantasy Seven, or if you care, you know that in 2028 we will get the Final Fantasy Seven HD remake. If you if you are waiting and holding out until then, don't listen. Okay, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Um, the, the 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 way they flow the cutscenes and the gameplay together when you can still move your character on a PS One, I was just like, what? <laughs> what did this? Yeah, did this back that, then? Like, that this... opening cut is still, I bet, really really fun to watch. Yeah, it is, and I was like, oh my god, this this is dope, and they do it throughout the whole game. Yeah, I'm almost done with it, but they do it throughout the whole game. I was like, wow, like that's they really do some like cinematic tricks, like. Um, there, when, when I was saying where, um, for instance, when you you first you first start playing the game and you go to blow up the reactor, and when you blow it up, and your cloud is by them, uh, her, uh, his self, and you talk to Ares real quick, just selling you know flowers. You don't know who she is, and you're just walking through the streets, and it's like this quiet like atmosphere. And you just see people running around and you're like, oh, shit, did I just, did I just do something bad? Like, you don't know anything about the game and you're coming into that. It, it was actually well done. Like, I don't know, like little things like that. There's another part where, um, where they use backtracking um, the early on anyway, because later on they kind of messed that up. But early on um, where you, you talk to Sephiroth and Sephiroth is going nuts, you know, reading all this stuff, finding out who he is. And they skip the backtracking to go back up the stairs. But then when you go see him again and you realize that he um, he's like, oh, um, you know, you, you think he's going to do something. You, they make you walk all the way back up the stairs slowly with this like this music this whole time. And then once you get outside, like they, they, they constantly give the player like breath to breathe. And you're like in your mind, you're thinking about stuff. And then when, when you see it, you're like, oh, shit, like, you know, Seth, Seth Ross is like killing everybody and stuff like it. there's a lot of those little moments in there that they did so right. And the camera angles are just really good when they <laughs> for such an old game, like games now just don't don't really understand. I don't, I don't know how they're going to pull this off as a remake, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gushing. about I, this. I, I, An episodic I, I, remake as well. 
But I also think it's really interesting that you're getting a kick out of this camera system because I think that like these predefined camera angles are a real lost art. You had a lot of in in a weird way that then in a different way than it happens nowadays. You had collaborations with cinematographers and directors going on back in the like late '90s, turn of the millennium, to figure out where to put camera angles for those pre-rendered backgrounds and that's that's like a whole aspect of game development that has been obsoleted at this point since since manually controllable cameras have become ubiquitous yeah i i mean when you think about talking to sephiroth in the library you you hit you see that crooked angle in the library in that hall like you remember that you remember that like i remember that even as a kid it's like, oh yeah, like, and I it's remember like that uneasy... opening shot of yeah the, the the camera like swooping in on the train, and then your character is actually popping out of it straight into the battle. Like the camera swooping from the sky down into the city to an individual train that seamlessly like turns into an in-game render scene. It was a really cool moment, and I'm like weirdly happy to hear that it still is. It, it is. It is. It, even for such an old game. <laughs> An old game. I I thought it was, I I thought it wasn't gonna get blown away like this, but it, it was. It's actually pretty good. Um, again, like there's some certain things like Cloud dressing up as a girl and going inside the rape dungeon and all this type of stuff. Have you gotten to the part where he is up in a in a like wheelchair yet? Yes. With like, because <laughs> I bet that part is like the roughest to go back to. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like, I don't know, like after the first disc is not as quite as good. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game going <laughs> weird places. Yeah, it, 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 the first disc is great, but the, everything after is just like it's it's good. It's just um, they don't explain certain things well. You know, you have to really like. Pay attention. I mean, and they do go over things over and over again, and they actually give new information when they go over it again, like because they didn't say it during the original scenes when it was actually happening. It's it's really weird. I was like, is some of this stuff lost in translation. I, I don't know, like because it was pretty decent before, but now it's just a little confusing. And then you you get maybe they're trying to like string you along because later on they do explain a few things about cloud and stuff, but that's like hours later after they introduce that you know he may not be who he think he is and stuff like that and bum, still bum, that's bum. kind of still kind of like weird there you know you, you still don't know certain things of why he has like right now in the game like why does he have zach's memories and stuff like that like it, it just don't explain stuff properly um and and stuff gets a little gets a little weird sometimes yeah, again the, i don't know how the remake is gonna go i just don't think they're gonna be able to pull it off to be for as much commendation as people give the writing and characterization of ff7 i i don't know i've always been more of like a western rpg kind of guy i played through the playstation one final fantasies when i was a kid and i i loved them all but they never really took as big a place in my heart as is like Morrowind and I think one of the weird reasons why is is that when you're we're going through like a linear story that's up to the 
the whims of the developers. You can tell sometimes when they are just making this shit up as they go along. Yeah. And the second half of FF7 struck me like that. Like, I remember one MacGuffin coming up after another that walked you through the usual process of going to, like, the snow level, the lava level. Wasn't there, like, an Egyptian tomb-themed level at some yeah. point, too? Yeah. And and there were some, <laughs> some great set-piece moments at, at the very end and this one. And halfway through, you, like, have this... this um reprise relaxation vacation where you go on a date at a theme park i think i ended up with tifa but some people end up with aries which would be really unfortunate because the the big spoiler plot is like shortly after that relaxing death scene which i i i don't know if that's really good or bad pacing after all these years but I remember going like snowboarding at one point on, on, in like Red Thirteen's area, having really cool music, horrible. but just kind of feeling like I. And I remember completely tuning out of what was even happening when Cloud ends up in a wheelchair with memory loss, because I think it involved some magical artifact that cropped up in the middle of the story at that point that had never been mentioned before Black because Mysteria. they had to cram in. Yeah, they had to cram in. Another another dungeon, and I am wondering if if that is like harder to deal with nowadays than back then, even though disc one may still be totally fine, if the, not pretty good. Yeah, yeah, this one is is pretty good. It, it, this the mini games and stuff they start introducing, and the splitting up of characters, and because you you picked your favorite characters or the characters you want to stay with. They're they're out leveled and it's annoying to go back and level them. There's um, issues where they don't tell you where to go, so you're just kind of going everywhere, and you're like, you you want to give up and just look up a, a freaking guide. Is where do I go? Because it's just too much. It's just too much. I don't want to do that right now. I don't. I, I I'm not for linear games, but like my God, if they give me an airship and there's like like twelve towns to go to. Oh, guess what? When I was a kid playing FF7, I totally missed Yuffie. Yuffie. Oh, me too. Oh, you missed her town completely? And I felt lucky that that I got Cerberus. It's a random, like, you go inside the forest and she fights you. That's it. You just gotta explore the shit out of that game to get everything. And they're really major shit you can miss. Yeah. And she... And the, the the secret characters like Vincent and Woofy, like they don't Vincent, really add, that was the guy. Yeah, they don't add anything. I I mean I liked Vincent as a kid because I thought he was cool, but of course I did. Look at the guy. Yeah, the guy is I'm the wondering I thought he was so cool that Dirge of Cerberus was like my most hyped game for a while. Uh-huh. I was like, fuck yeah! <laughs> Vincent's getting his own game and it's gonna be like an action RPG and he's Will gonna fucking shoot, shoot shit. And it's gonna be on the PlayStation 2 and have like Final Fantasy VII graphics in like, in like, up-rest 3D and it's gonna be amazing and then I played it. Yeah, and it was... It was... Garbage! Okay. <laughs> it was a linear corridor fucking... With no like oh, weight game to was, the feels of the controls. Bad. They they so bad. How are they gonna handle the curse words? How are they gonna handle like? There's sometimes they they reference some people as uh. <laughs> never mind. Um, 
they they say they they use retarded they use like i wonder like in this day and age where everyone's offended about everything how this game is going to be received if they do an exact remake or are they just going to change they won't they'll change it they'll change the localization will change the japan side might be the same because japan is japan you know we got you know hideki kamiya like (laughs) do you see kamiya the other day like if anyone speaks to me in english on twitter they're getting fucking blocked you insects are getting blocked (laughs) you can only speak to him in japanese now you know japan is japan right so japan probably won't change but have you been on the um, internet i don't blame him (laughs) but specifically he's like you can insult me if you do it in japanese you insects (laughs) oh my god what a (laughs) but like the the one thing i'm like more interested in and i don't there is like there is no comparison to it it's like how the fuck are you are you just gonna remake that game anyway like as as a game calling it more of a reimagining at this point anyway they haven't said anything they've said like it's it's a it's a remake like it's an episodic remake of an rpg that was like isometric in view but now they're making it an action combat rpg that's episodic like how do you change that into that like i am so intrigued to see how they do that i can't wait it's gonna be completely different classic black character you know oh my god dies first like he's just gonna be he's gonna be be the stereotypical sacrifices himself to save the group well, we got some. Bre- I got. I got some breaking news for you about Octopath Traveler, though, Matt. What? The uh, the embargo just just broke on. Well, not broke, but the embargo was just lifted on the uh, reviews. Oh God! Do you want to? Do you want to give a sh- Do you want to give a, a hesitant guess at the um, score? The, let, the let's current go with a nice seven. Oof. Seven. It's it's got it's got a lot of sevens. Yeah. But the current, uh, the the uh, open oh, don't critic you dare, don't you, score. Don't you dare! Oh, I'm bringing is, it up myself. Is 84. Oh, oh, yeah, that's not that's not that bad. Of course, it has an 84. That's like, yeah, that's that's the safe. I don't know. I feel like going a little lower than 84 is a little safer. 84 is actually higher than I was yeah, expecting. Yeah, that's way higher. Yeah, than like I'm based looking, on I'm what scan- I've heard I'm all scanning- of us say and playing myself. I'm scanning the Rosetta error thread and I'm scanning like the, the things and it's like I, people get testy about review scores and whatever. If you don't want to hear them, you know, and find out in your own time, don't listen. But like, you know, it's got like an eight, it's a Nintendo life gave it a nine RPG site, gave it a seven GameSpot an eight destructo 7.5. Yeah, it's kind of all around the same. So it's Jason like Shreya the safely who's like upper JRPG end of man. mediocre scores. I, I feel like it's so, because wait, wait, we have wait, this Kotaku, dry, the dry season Kotaku of said, this. That's why people are going to be I, th- I think so, yeah. So so Kotaku, like Jason Schreier, said, Octopath Traveler is a beautiful game with one of the best soundtracks I've heard. The combat system rocks and will hopefully be used more in Square Enix games to come. There are plenty of good ideas in here, but the game is too grindy, too repetitive, and too full of structural problems to be viewed as much more than another botched JRPG mm. experiment. So then and something that you it? end up... Yeah, what, what's he, the it's Kotaku. It doesn't have a number. Oh, okay. what's the uh, verdict they use? I think I think they give it. A, I think I think it's a yes. Yeah, I, mean, let me I, I don't check. remember if they were the like buy, rent, try, yeah. don't bother. I hate. They, they, I just hate the thought of something 
taking up 40 hours of my life, being kind of repetitive and dull and feeling like a waste of time by the end of it and getting an eight. I, I, f I weirdly feel... I, I, oh, I feel so, like, confused and conflicted now, because what I did play of Octopath was, like, cute and pretty, but I could kind of see where it was going, and then it was, like, I, I kind of wish it was both, A, more socially acceptable to only play, and like, Matt, five, six hours until you're fine. Matt, like, um, he, I don't know if this is spoilers for the game, uh, in terms of, like, how it, it carries on from what you were talking about with the stories, uh, it says there's been a lot of confusion over whether Octopath Traveler's eight different stories overlap or lead to some sort of epilogue, like a, an overarching story. Uh, after finishing all eight, Jason shares, uh, nothing happens, really. No, there's, <laughs> well, there's nothing There's nothing really like that. Then but, why? But then... you can get a kick out of the art ahead of time. I, I wish it was like more socially acceptable to also review games as such. Like I'm interested in playing this thing, and I'd be interested in buying a like ten dollar version that was just shorter. In Octopath Traveler, all eight stories are so repetitive that they blend together, forming one big bland stew. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's exactly mm. what I thought the reviews would say. Because that's Big what you get from it. Like you, when you play a game and the beginning of the game is like that, like just just the same thing over and over again, and they don't interact with each other, they don't say anything. The the the, the story is so boring. Yeah, but it's There's competently no made. It's it has fun combat. Up. So eight out of ten. <laughs> like it, it's just like George. Like when is this gonna get good? Like no, no, I don't <laughs> want that. I don't want that from a game. Yeah, that. and as I've gotten older, it's more like, okay, I'd rather just put it down now while it's still good. <laughs> like, Instead I, of I think watch it, it I think decay. It, yeah, yeah, I think I think this is one of those where it's like, the more you play, the more you realize there's a lot of cop, cut and copied content, and like the stories sort of have similar... Like, I don't understand, like, unless it's, like, the name or the pillar of the game that you're going for these eight pathways, why not just have six and dedicate, like, Hectopath time to traveler. fleshing out, like, six stories instead, uh, or, or four, you know? Path traveler. Like, you can, you can, like, I think it's, it's difficult for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult for us to judge because we haven't played the full game or finished it, so, you know. We might have wildly different opinion, yeah, I mean, opinions from Jason, but like you can only have four people in your party at one time anyway, and they they each character can have a second job class, like Bravely Default or you know Final Fantasy V or whatever. Like, why not make it like four person traveler and have four incredibly cool stories that all intertwine together, and then you have a reason to travel and. It reminds me of um, Setsuna. Yeah. Oh, that was like the like, Chrono Trigger. Like, yeah, and, and the whole while I was just thing. like, okay, why are we doing this again? Like, what's what's the gimmick? What's the compelling and that hook had, like, to bring it back? like an interesting like start, didn't it? Like you were like meant to kill Setsuna, right? And then like like the start of the game, you're meant to like kill her, but then it ends up you. Because everyone yeah. decides that sacrificing a village girl isn't a good idea to do every few years as a <laughs> ritualistic yeah. practice. It's never, <laughs> it's never really worked in any form of uh, civilization prior. Who you writes might as well this garbage? <laughs> Who freaking, I beat 
I am Sasuna, first of all. So I can I can say that. Like, it's, it's, who writes this? That was another one where this, I, like, clocked out after a while. And I loved JRPGs as a kid. Yeah. But it but, has been a long, long time. And maybe I, I need to play Nino Kuni too. But it's been a long time. No, and, you don't. Um, Xenoblade. Don't. don't oh. Just ignore that. Because, I, I've again, I've I played too many JRPGs lately. They all kind of, dis they're the same. They're just... There's yeah, okay. like, like since There's the PS3 okay. era, I've really clocked out of my interest in the genre, and it makes me sad. I do attempt it. I like pick up these these new like retro themed Square Enix RPG Factory style stuff, but they're not hooking me. I, I, I it's weird because like you know I spoke about Ease Eight or Ez Eight as the people Zoom. emailed criticizing the way I pronounced it. It's like it's fucking Japanese anyway. Like, yeah, one guy, sent me, those the, emails one guy sent me the French version was like, this is how you say it. I'm like, yeah, that's the French way of saying well, it. It. Like, it. was interesting to read about because it's literally like all lost in translation. Like it's everyone arguing over their different localizations of how to pronounce yeah. wise the series. Wise is... When, it's, when, it's, I don't know, I gotta give you credit for going for the is, original Japanese title version yeah. of the game. In, Jap in Japanese it's easy, so... Ease kind of sounds, you know, like, you know. <laughs> anyway, you know, I like that game has undeniable problems. It's janky as fuck, like it's it is full of JRPG cliches, but the combat's really fun, and I go I you know spoke about it a lot, and then like so many of the comments are like, thanks for shitting on ease. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, are you oh, enjoying God. playing right. that game? Damage control. Um, guys, you can play yeah. whatever you want to play, whatever floats your boat. Um, in our, in in my humble opinion, whatever tickles your pink. I I just don't I just don't care to waste my time grinding for a story that's uninteresting, interesting to me. That's it. That's it. I like JRPGs, but, but I will well, okay, admit, when like, you, you say know, that, what what are you thinking about when you say that? When you say Do you I know like your more than anything, I'm I'm thinking of aesthetic <laughs> more than anything. No, FF nine. I like JRPGs by aesthetic. I, I when I think about them, I think about the aesthetic of a JRPG. I like everything about them. You know, like the victory chimes when you when you win, and, and he goes, da -da -ba -ba, you know, or like <laughs> stupid shit where you have like. NPCs talking fully voiced and then it changes to text boxes and it's like when you're like scrolling oh. along like by the way that's you know, right Octo did not have voice act you said it had all voice acting it does I know not. the more I played the more I played <laughs> the more I realized <laughs> it immediately turns off I was like no it, I, I think it's no, because Liam. one of the stories <laughs> I started no like one of the stories I started had loads of voice acting and I was like oh this is this is great but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's traditional, right? Same as all RPGs. You know, you and got a little bit of voice acting. It's great. Mm. And it's like, uh, mm. thank you. Nice. Mm. You know, it's like it's stupid shit. I love, I love stupid shit. Like I'm playing Ease, Esu, Wise, whatever. Play Ease, and like Ease has this really cool thing where you have to do like, uh, it's like it's almost like a mini game, but like you, you know, the game is about being on a, a deserted island. So you set up a camp, and it's called the Castaway Camp. And you're, like, getting castaways to come join your camp. And then you have to defend it in, like, basic... Not tower defense, but, like, like Gears of War wave-based things, right? You have to take on waves of enemies while protecting, like, 
these bait traps and, uh, you know, trying to defend the barricades of your camp. And it's really interesting to see, like, a JRPG have, like, wave-based combat. And that is a testament to how fun, like, the combat is in Ease 8, right? But... Stupidly, like with all like JRPGs, there's no sense of urgency whatsoever. So it's like supposedly like, oh shit, like all of these beasts are descending upon the camp. We must rally everyone to defend the camp. And then as soon as like that conversation ends, it's like all of the NPCs standing around a campfire waiting for you to be like, so are you ready to take on the hordes yet? And you're like, nah, I need to cook some more fish soup. And you're like, okay then. <laughs> it's like you sit there like cooking, making potions, talking with people. You talk to one of the NPCs who is just like shouting at you and screaming that the barricades are going to be broken. And he's like, hey, have you collected enough wood for me to make a bench yet? <laughs> you're like, dude, two minutes ago you were talking about the urgency of which we must defeat the beasts. Like stupid stuff like that makes JRPGs fun and weird and and their own unique thing for me and that's what i think about and and i like playing games that give me that feeling i think it's more of a a wanting that feeling like that safety of like ah i remember when all playstation 2 jrpgs were like this this was a lot of fun um but then when i hear a game is grindy now i'm just like i'm out because you know it's gotten worse now. Now games are built to be these like lifestyle pillars of of never-ending garbage side quests you're not even supposed to do. Yummy. Yummy. It's really funny you say that as well because surprisingly enough, I don't know why it took me this long, but today I watched George's video on Nier Automa- Automata. Mm-hmm. I was I was for some reason I was browsing YouTube and it came up and I realized I hadn't watched it because I was holding off for a while. I mean, uh, near Autonomous never-ending list of side quests are better than the And that's the thing, but you first. talked about some of them just being, like, unbearable. In the first game, I remember genuinely disliking, if not, like, the, the side quest kind of ruining the whole thing for me. And as I was talking to near fans, they were like, no, don't do those. You're not supposed to do those. Why are you doing those? And I was, like, shrugging, being like, what if there's a diamond in the rough in there? Like, and, why are they in the game if they're bad content, right. like bad anyway? They were just like, a waste of time. And uh, uh, look, there are going to be so many people who listen to this, and you can play whatever you like, and JRPGs are great. Like, so many of them are. Like, we've just spoken about Final Fantasy VII for, like, 20 minutes. You know, like, Matt's really enjoying it, and there are great ones out there. But it's hard to play them now, I think. Like, unless that's, like, your jam, like, that's your thing. You don't really play any other types of games. Like, you play JRPGs. Like, you just, you have a, 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 an unrequenting unre- so love. It's like, that I feel like just like playing them casually is going to be happening at the expense of other, of exploring other genres. Yeah. Like, if you, if you really think about it, like, how many hours, Matt, for example, right? Matt, you work a full-time job. Yeah. You know, you do secondary stuff like... Like this like the podcast and others like how many hours a day do you have if you like cut out like cooking and all that kind of stuff like maximum how many hours a day would you have to play games if you wanted probably if if i had to force gaming hours probably like around three and i would maybe lose a little bit of sleep it depends on how early or late i work Okay, so that's a maximum. If we, if you said you did that every day, that's twenty-one hours. That's only twenty-one hours. Mm-hmm. 
That is the tutorial to Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> Fuck. You know that that would take you one week. Wait, is thirteen? No, that's that's not an MMO. That has even less an no. excuse. That's the joke about thirteen, isn't it? You know that yeah, everything. It's like so many of these JRPGs, the right? Yeah. That the bird yes, lives in. Zaz. Yeah. I, I, so, I, so that was many when of Buckbuster these... was still around. I rented it and returned it the same day. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how bad it was. I was like, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe this is not my thing anymore. That's that's when I, like, I finally. Yeah, it I out. used to be able I... to rent JRPGs. They were great as rental games because they moved along and and had endings without a lot of bullshit distracting you on the way there. It's weird because, like, I don't think it's just JRPGs. Like, I think, obviously, we're hopping on JRPGs, I think, because their gameplay is stunted to be like that. It's meant to stretch over a period of time. So bosses are purposely hard, so you have to grind for hours to make the game longer. Uh, longer yeah, than it needs to be sometimes. You want to your controllers during those summons. Yeah, and it's like, games are ridiculously long, and it's not even that. I think it's just... You know, 21 hours, especially with games where, you know, people say, oh, it gets really good after, like, 40 or 50 hours. You know, Whoa. like, that game gets amazing. And it's like, yeah, that's like, if I sacrificed all of my time for two weeks, like, I could get to that point. And it's like, am I going to want to do that? It's not even JRPGs. Like, I haven't finished God of War because it's, like, 40 hours. I'd really like to do a more serious in-depth look into time management of various genres and styles of games because I am rediscovering something that I feel has been lost. One aspect of which is fucking manageable time management playing of video games. But I've been playing something that starts off really freaking good, that can hook people for freaking ever and stay good, and something that manages to appeal to all sorts of weird, weird age uh, uh, and gender and interest demographics that don't match up with video games, that still manages to appeal to the hardcore gamer kids. And uh, it's it's magical. I've I've been replaying The Sims 2. Wow, and I, I not can't I believe this say. shit. The Sims well, but when you think about it, like what other game meets all of those previous qualifications? Like The Sims Two is is a pick up and play, uh, casual arcade, but also like hardcore micromanagement strategy game that in that, that has this big element of like player expression and customization to it while also having this element of of playing around with uh meter management that involves strategies time management you, you can uncover stories behind the sims they put little mysteries for you to solve give you little goals and pop-up menus that create player-driven uh uh adventures of trying to improve the lives of the weird families they set you out with in the beginning which is a thread that permeates through the console versions that are like actually story driven adventures that that are like an implication for these PC versions that's really really fun to think about as you're playing through it's like a fun group activity i had multiple mice plugged into the computer for for me and the girlfriend to like swap between our two sims and play them at the same time and when i <laughs> it's it's a huge huge beast to get working on modern computers though and there's a 
can of worms of operating system incompatibilities with Windows 10. But when I was looking up help on getting them to work, I was just like surprised at every turn of the way. There were forum threads written by like sweet old ladies who will like get a hold of their son's old like hand-me-down gamer rigs when they become obsolete, who will like write these forum threads trying to know how to tweak their operating systems graphics card temporary page memory file just so they could play the sims and and i was looking up another youtube guide on on windows 10 compatibility and and the, the narrating the narrator was was like a older middle-aged black woman and i was like how I, I felt like I was in an arcade in Japan again, where, like, boys and girls and old people and young people were all just playing the same games harmoniously. Why, why The Sims 2, though? Yeah. Uh, that's you, you, good... you make it sound like it's not, like, this game that you, you control people with. Like, you, you make it sound like some, like, like, strategy game, you know, RTS style. I, I can't imagine you know, George playing it like a strategy game, though. Sims 2, like, way too much just now. Guess, well, yeah. They added, I like, can imagine so him much making... stuff that uh, has goals and checklists of content to go through. <laughs> like, there's, there's... If you took away The Sims 2, people would not know that you were talking about The Sims 2. <laughs> <laughs> but I... <laughs> In what other game has life itself become digital? I mean, there's The Sims oh three and four, but but at that point, it feels like they're just kind of uh, streamlining on stuff back to resell expansion packs and content for big major features. I don't care about like, whoa, you can load in multiple houses in the same instance. But somehow, when we get to The Sims four, that comes at the sacrifice of pools and snooker yeah, tables. One, once again, I ask, why The Sims two and not, you know. The Sims 3 awful. Or, or Second Life, one. for that matter. For for some reason, I've had a hankering. It, it was a big pillar of, of my childhood PC gaming, but The Sims 1 and 2. And, and I made custom content for both of them growing up. It was a lot of fun. But for some reason, I've had a hankering lately. I've been looking at the various, like, handheld and console versions. I was, like, thinking how fun it would be to just pull up a good version of The Sims whenever I'm out and about and on the go. It sounds like a great time waster. So when I set up the new computer... I had downloaded the Origin client and downloaded Battlefield 1 to, uh, you know, give it a stress test to see a modern game with good-looking graphics run well on a modern computer. But when I saw that they had given away The Sims 2 on Origin, the ultimate collection that includes all... It includes the university, the pets expansion, the... Whatever expansion gives you magic and enchanting and, and alchemy systems... Uh, along with the, like, Ikea stuff pack. There's officially licensed Ikea in there. You got the, the Guy Fieri, uh, uh, food pack. You got, um, that Anthony you Bourdain's are, travel, travel fun pack. You are that quintessential person who builds a brand new, goddamn, <laughs> expensive, high-spec PC. There and then you play Sims 2. And play Morrowind. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my gaming tastes are, like, rooted in in the middle turn of the millennium so too, too damn hard. I can't get out of that place. Can you play The Sims 2 at 144 hertz? 
You can play... Okay, okay. After installing the 4 gigabyte patch... Does it have a uh, turbo mode? You gotta activate large address aware, give it 4 gigs of texture memory, uh, have a custom graphics rules config so that your new graphics card is something that the game can detect and account for. After a lot of tweaking, I was finally able to get a stable build of The Sims 2 running at 1440p at an officially supported 100 hertz. <laughs> on my fancy on my fancy new Asus gaming PC. Well, no, it's an Acer <laughs> gaming monitor with an Asus motherboard, I think. But anyways, there's some asses in there. And and you you got like like I was saying earlier like like goal-based progression-based systems with completion and objectives, one of which is going to college. You can make a sim that goes to college. You're gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to manage your time good to to complete college, and you come out of it with a lot of skill points and connections to hook your sim up with their job, which is really a non-issue in the Sims universe. They live in a utopia where you get hired the same day you see the ad in the newspaper, with no education or even a job interview required. Jobs in the Sims, employers in the Sims take literally anybody. Including, like, aliens and zombies. Yeah, my zombie dad got a job as a clerk at a law office. Anyways, um, I made a sim that had to go to college and complete college, and, and at some point in college he came across a magic lantern. Uh, he wished for wealth, and a genie gave him about $40,000, and, uh... Ah, yes, the true, the true, uh, sticking to the trueness of life. Yeah, yeah, it Genies. Was, my my sim who went to college for about 20 days with you know no requirements required uh he got paid at the end of every semester for making good grades the university gave him like 1200 bucks for an a plus report card cuz that's how that works he 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 got his $40,000 uh kickstarter fund from a magical genie um the, the girlfriend then made a self-insert. We played the same family for a while. Moved out to a starter home where uh, she flunked out of college. And uh, and still could afford a home? Yeah. Yeah. Houses in The Sims are like $12,000. And jobs Did pay. You? Like, even the slacker career track, which includes, as its opening entry-level job, gas station convenience store clerk, which is not a slacker job at all. That's a, like, small business entrepreneurial, either, I don't know, making ends meet in the short term or someone who wants to own the gas station kind of job. That's not a slacker career track. I'm pretty sure that what, what I do would be the slacker career track for The Sims. The Sims 5, YouTuber career, Patreon-sponsored career. Yeah, like a telephone <laughs> in The Sims will be unexpectedly expensive. They're, they're like 50 to $70 to put a landline telephone in your Sims house. But when your Sim walks home that day with their $150 daily paycheck, or comes home from school with their $1,200 education grant... Uh, the the uh, economics of it start to become a lot more forgiving. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm like having a blast with this thing. I'm amazed at <laughs> how much there is to explore and do and how like compelling the loop of uh, 
buy, build, and live are all uh, together. I'm I'm becoming obsessed with it all over again. What's happening? <laughs> are you well, we've gone from uh, with, uh, flooding academia to fi- <laughs> uh Unfortunately, oh. Yeah, I'll just uh I'll just I'll just like cut that out of the oh, outline. No. I've... <laughs> oh no. I watched like the first three episodes two weeks ago and had a blast, and I've been having blasts doing other things since then. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I called it. I'm still gonna try it. I can't believe it. I called it. <laughs> Fucking hell, George. Oh, leave that sucker in, boy. <laughs> it's like something I've been... Th- okay, every single night before I go to bed, I've looked at my tablet and thought about it. I thought about picking up the next episode, but for whatever reason, I end up going to sleep. And say, it's been on the back of my mind, and I want to know what happens still. Three episodes in. Then you even you get got like, any four, good you got like 52 episodes to catch up with. Well, that Come was on. a really good... In the second episode, I I posted a big rant in our Discord server about how much I loved it. Yeah, but yeah, but it's still playing The Sims. Yeah, because it's fun. It's a fun computer game, and that's what I like more than fun animes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've gone from uh, Final Fantasy VII to Sims Two to you know we we spoke about games from. Many, many years ago that matter to no one now and anime and abusing George about it. We're, we're, we're full on cliche dad and sons episode here. Yeah, yeah. I love all things I lose interest in equally. Mm. Well, we did just talk about games that George drops if they lose interest. So I guess he just lost interest in Boku no Hero. I still have well. interest in it. I'll, no, I'll, he's never I'll gonna watch it again. Nah, nah, he, he's, Matt, he, he's, he's, done any, he's done any. He's done any, man. He's, he's, he's done. Oh! He's done. And so is this podcast. Beyond the edge of reality lies a story of ultimate conquest. A story of war and friendship. A story of a love that can never be. And a hatred that always was. And now, the most anticipated epic adventure of the year will never come to a theater near you. Final Fantasy 7. Yo, Sid, park this turkey. <laughs> Is that how that's, you're bringing us back? That's, that's, that's Barrett. <laughs> From what we can expect in Final Fantasy 7 Remake. <laughs> nice. That's. Nice black that's man the, there. All right. That's so the back return. To, to the podcast and the news. What do we have in the world of Monster Hunter? <laughs> that's that has that was just a line from Barrett from Final Fantasy Seven. Why did you? Why did you no, bring George, us back with that? George. No. George, no. <laughs> no, George. Advent you're children. Very wrong. Or, George is from Advent Children. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. get twisted. <sighs> Why? Because because on the break, okay, I'll, I'll admit, I was talking to Matt about Barrett, and I said, Matt in his Skype photo has similar hair to Barrett. 
And Matt was talking about how like Barrett is in the HD remake going to be like generic black guy. So Matt was then doing the voice. So he says yo. Yes. Yeah. So then we pulled up lines from the film and we realized Barrett only has like six lines in the entire film. <laughs> and they have and the one word of them, yo with them. And one of them is yo Sid, park this turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell you been? That is- Marlene better be safe, huh? <laughs> you let her know who right, Spikey. Speaking what up, fool? of Japanese, I'm the man. Speaking of Japanese companies having a, a weird time appealing to the rest Dilly of the world. Dilly dally, shilly shally. Uh, the 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 gritty open world Monster Hunter reboot which includes a more story-driven cinematic campaign, will be arriving on PCs earlier than expected on August 9th. That is pretty cool, though. Yeah, like, that's just that one month. We got like, one when month we get prepare, surprised Matt. with shit like that, you're like, oh shit, like, that's less than a month away, and we, we get to play it on PC already. And and I I know I'm going to do it. Matt, are Finally, you going to do it? you can use the fucking PC for something. <laughs> Instead of The Sims 2 and Morrowind, I I, I tell you, I've played like a, a 30 minutes of Battlefield on that thing and 10 hours of two of the above on that thing. I like I like also how you put the minimum specs in our podcast document. Yes, almost very to, important. Almost, very important. Almost to like show off that your PC now is more powerful than the minimum specs. <laughs> but the minimum specs are something that's important because that, that highly limits <laughs> the amount of your initial install base. You're gonna want a GTX 760 this, and an i3 high. at four gigs, which yeah seems a little steep, but at the same time, Monster Hunter World seems to have really, really beautiful yeah, graphics. Yeah, that game they, is pretty. It's pretty. They, they 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 got it scaled back enough to work okay on a PS4. Is not bad though. 760. That's like if you if you put a 1050 in there, you're good. How much are they these days with the uh, GPU prices all it's thrown not that out of whack anymore? That, that's that's an old thing now. <laughs> well, eBay's got one for eighty dollars, uh, but that's an eBay auction. It might be pre. Yeah, it looks like Newegg selling them new for a hundred forty. Yeah, they're, they're so they're you'd need a hundred and forty dollar upgrade if if you do not meet those minimums. If yeah, if and it's most. It, it'll be better to get a 1050 Ti as well, but yeah. Wait, wait, no, I might have, I might have been looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if you don't have a, a 760, I would have spent 180 bucks get a 1050 Ti. You good? You sweet? You're golden. Yeah, yummy. Let's yummy. see. Let's see if if Amazon has seven. Oh, well, we're not. 60s. We're not doing this. We're we, we're not that podcast. We're not cheap okay, ass so gamer. Only, Come on, like, what's going see, on here? See all, wait, I think yeah, the 760 used to be a high end model from years ago. Oh, yeah. okay. Didn't everything used to be a high end model? Or right, right. <laughs> so, so like the equivalent nowadays. As equivalent nowadays, would I'm be like heavily a editing this. Last <laughs> <laughs> time I bought a, a PC was like. <laughs> Four years ago, so I have no idea what new high-end graphics cards are actually. But but I mean, Matt, are you are you gonna throw into it? Can you not wait to hunt monsters in the world on PC on August 9th? Because I know I can't. I, I 
if if my people get it, then I'll I'll get it. Your people, my my friends, you nearly my my friends. I don't want to. I'm not playing that game by myself. If if none of my friends say, "Oh, I'm getting it," I'm not gonna buy that. Like that's not. Oh, the type I'm of game. getting it. That's not the type of you game. You nearly bought a PS4 for it. Yeah. Well, what? You 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 were so close to buying a PlayStation Four I kn- for I kn- it. Like, yeah, I know. I know. I thought you'd be frothing at the mouth. You know the now high time on you know, PC. It it, it kind of goes away. It comes and goes. Did did work beat it out of you? Work did beat it out of me. <laughs> I mean, when, I think about, <laughs> when I think about sixty dollars, you know, like it's like, oh, okay, you know, hmm. I got I got to weigh the, the amount of time and how much I work each week. Well, hmm. well, I might hook you up in that case. Hook me up with with with, with a sweet like re um, review code. Uh, <laughs> d- um, I don't know if I'll be getting a review code, but you but do still y- get review. You're codes not. Uh, I do, but sometimes oh. not for the big expensive games. The big. Expensive. I get review codes for like everything below the thirty dollar mark. I want to say. Uh, for everything he doesn't want. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my and that's the stuff that other inbox. people might want. I do the I do the inbox thing, but but re- putting in requests. Hey, for all you YouTuber boys out there, putting in requests for expensive games is a little harder than the cheaper ones. But, but that's besides the point. Matt, I'll hook you up. I, I'm. I'm excited about this. I'm looking forward to this. This is earlier than expected to. They previously said fall and does like, does August 9th even count as fall? Uh, I guess. No. Like August it's, is it's technically the, fall, what? but the first half of no. August does not feel, feel like fall. It's like dead middle of the year. August? It's the eighth, eighth. month of the year. You're more than halfway through like, done with the year. Ah, oh, come on, fall. <laughs> August like feel, October. Maybe in Japan to... In Atlanta, August gets fall e like towards Dude, the end I'm of the month. St- I'm not fucking sweating my ballsack off in like the fall. It's fucking it's it's summer. It's still summer. I'm assuming there's not cross play so. with PS4. Ooh, it's not. Yeah, Ooh, probably not because saying? of you know Sony's cross play policies. Oh yeah. But so far as I know, I don't think there's any official words on that. And I don't know. I'm, like, actually kind of excited to get away from Monster Hunter Generations. Because I like the combat. I like the loop to it. I just want some kind of narrative. Yeah, something. I need some kind of narrative to this thing. It feels so weird and kind of boring having no real problems facing... Like this universe, no, no big problem, I guess. Like you were going to work as a monster hunter, solving people's little problems, but they're not fleshed out like like big side quests, like in The Witcher, when you solve people's monster problems. They're they're contained within one to three text boxes of story, and I I want to do the same shit. I just want to like get out and feel like I can be immersed in the thing. Yeah. Instead of feel like I'm playing a time waster video game. Yeah. Well, I think you I think you know, you guys are going to enjoy it, especially if you can play together. That together. Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Speaking of uh, Speaking of rearranging your headcanon to achieve immersion, Okay. 
Uh, a Naughty Dog animator has confirmed that according to Naughty Dog's in-house headcanon, Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series of action shooter video games is not actually taking bullet damage when he gets hit by bullets in those video games. His luck is just steadily running out until the final bullet kills him, which is the one that the enemies actually manage to aim competently. Uh, this animator in question is Jonathan Cooper. He was uh, pointing out how during a mega swing uh, animation, Nathan Drake just does not take damage, even though there's all these bullets flying <laughs> in his general direction, if not into the body of himself. But, but Jonathan Cooper, Naughty Dog animator, was like, Side note I learned on joining the team, Drake doesn't ever take bullet damage. The red UI that shows hits is to represent his, quote, luck running out. Eventually enemies will get a clear shot and kill him if he takes enough near misses. Amy Hennig then followed up. True, that was the original intention, to stay more aligned with the spirit and tone of the films we were homaging. Guys, this changes everything. Oh my god. Ah, I know, right? Right? Suddenly... Video game characters getting shot in cutscenes and making a huge deal about it, even though they get shot in gameplay and just walk away fine. It's now official. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've all experimented with these thoughts beforehand. Yeah. But now you can experiment with those thoughts in the, the safe mental reassurance that the developers did themselves. That they also played around with those thoughts and tried to explain what's going on in game logic with regular logic huh i i, I kind of like I mean, that i kind of like that yeah it it makes sense you know it's a video game like me and george were talking about this a little bit like video games are built to be fun even if they're meant to be hard or immersive or whatever uh but if you are because the mega swing is like you lose player control so when you lose player control, the player is completely in your hands as a designer. And it's like, well, fair enough. The, the player can choose when to swing. And swinging might be a good idea at better times than others. Like, you, you know, you've got less chance of dying. But if you're swinging and you have no control to either fight back or shoot or get into a cover and you're just like a sitting duck and you're, you're a target for the enemies, you can't have it. So enemies are just killing you. 50% of the time when you're swinging over, it's just not fun. Like, no one would enjoy that. So, games have these weird little tricks where they will yeah. make it a little easier for you. This... Or they will make it seem like you got away with it, which makes you feel even better. There was a great thread uh, on Twitter a couple of months ago about little game design tricks. I think PC Gamer then made an article about it. Like, yes. about little game tricks about game designers and what they employ to, that players don't know about that make them feel good. And so many games have like, when you're about to die and you're on the last hit, you get like a boost of health that you don't know about that makes it feel like, like you got out of a fight super lucky. Like, like you breezed by by the skin of your teeth and it's because you have this like secret health boost and stuff like Enemies that. Enemies like, in Bioshock always miss their first shot. Yeah, you know, to heighten the tension, like being <laughs> shot at, but you don't get hit. It makes you, like, immediately react and start to, either, to like, fighting fair, back or looking for cover. This story is a little bit of a mix of that, plus, like, a weird headcanon aspect to it. 
that isn't quite the same thing. It's more like acknowledging that enemy, that bullet damage is not accumulating during those mega swing animations, even though it might look like it, while at the same time acknowledging that <laughs> Nathan Drake just getting lucky has been his health meter in their head cannon throughout this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is like... I guess they yeah. don't want to throw that in a tutorial message and ruin the player's immersion. But, I mean, speaking of which, guys, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know if I can play a video game and see my character get shot and deal with it after this. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't fix, when, uh, <laughs> fix when Nathan Drake shoots people and... You know, in the face, and they die. And they don't. They don't die, though. They, yeah, Nathan Drake is far luckier than they are. <laughs> oh, that's a that. This actually adds a very dark, kind of omnipotent aspect to the universe that might even become like comedic in a weird way. Like Nathan Drake is just bumbling and stumbling his way through these <laughs> patterns of bullets. And he's just getting lucky from it. He's just like cartwheeling through machine gun fire accidentally. And all the enemies <laughs> don't don't get that luck. Ooh, that's that's funny. He becomes he becomes yeah. sentient. He becomes sentient and he's he's just like holding onto a piece of rope and he's like, I'm swinging guys, you can't hit me. He I'm swinging. Nathan Drake, <laughs> can't oh touch my God. me. D Jonathan Cooper, I'm sorry. You just turned Nathan Drake into the Jar Jar Binks of his own universe. <laughs> Nathan Drake is actually a secret Sith Lord who just pretends to be a charming stumbly bumbly fuck <laughs> when really stumbling out of danger is his superpower mm. accidentally fumbling out of the way of all those bullets is him predicting the future and just instinctively Jedi mind tricking around out of danger Wow. With with like half interpreted visions of the future that his instincts take over from and bumble him out. Yeah, I can headcanon too. <laughs> you're you're there. I'm sorry. Like like I said, are you okay? Are you, this are you okay? Now, changes George? everything. <laughs> oh my god. We have been watching Nathan Drake trip over near misses. I know that in the game it might look like he gets hit by bullets, but you got to do this in video games. You got to use your imagination to to uh, fill the lines in between the math and the, the tokens and the moves that you're making. Because, you know, when you're like marching in one caveman to slap one wolf in civilization, that's like really an army down there. This is the same deal happens in like Fire Emblem and Advanced Wars. And, and now with with the Uncharted games, despite their, their high detail, highfalutin, high tech graphics engines, there's really implications happening in the video game play that you're engaging in. And the implication is that Nathan Drake is just bumbling and fumbling and stumbling and tripping and getting hilariously comedically divinely lucky if you ever review uh, another uncharted you're gonna you're gonna put a joke like a little gag with music it's you not know, a joke music when he's like fumbling it's around he's just gonna make like glass noises and everything like clown you're a clown right <laughs> there's like a spring sound a window Burn? smashing and a cat screeching <laughs> <laughs> yep yep well there you well, go there you go. <laughs> Uncharted has forever been ruined. 
We were meant to quickly talk about that. What happened? We were going to quickly <laughs> talk about it and then move on to questions, which we might as well. You know, I feel like we've 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 exhausted ourselves and the content of those stories. So let's move on to Gustavo TC, who showed up in our mailbag at dadandsonspodcast@gmail.com. Amongst which like sneakily <laughs> snuck in amongst the Hundreds of dad dads. Yeah, so let's have, dig into the mailbag here. We're gonna be doing dad dads. <laughs> mm. All, All right. Uh, we got we got mail. a shitload of dad din. We're gonna be getting back to it next week, but this week we're doing mail, and we have just three since since the dad din submissions happened. We're, we're gonna try to roll through them faster and more voluminous next time. But for now, Gustavo TC asks. When did video game trailers get good? I know there's a shit, a lot of shit ones out there right now still, but I mean in general, compared to films from the 70s, for example, some trailers were spectacular and memorable, even better than today's. But with games, if you go back to E3 2001 or around that time, you see that there seems to be no structure or focus as to what's being presented in the trailer. I, Gustavo TC clarifies that he's younger than us all. He still has not achieved dad status, but even putting himself in the mind of a kid at the time, I can no. only imagine being confused rather than exciting for most of those old game trailers. And when did they get good? And perhaps is a more individual question for each of us. What's your favorite video game trailer of all time and why? Okay, so we got two prongs well, here. Well, I guess the answer... I, I think the answer is, like, video games started to become a lot more yes, like movies. Yes, they started hiring movie like, people is my... Uh, theory yes we made started making games that were more meant to represent not represent resemble mm -hmm. or be like movies and which results you know we started getting tv time in and like cinematographers and directors getting hired on to make trailers yes. which results in trait yeah. and not getting hired to make on trailers getting hired to make cutscenes, which results in a lot of angles and shots that make for great trailers which has steadily resulted in hiring yes. people who do video editing for the entertainment industry to do the trailers which yeah. was not a thing. And they hired people specifically earlier. to do the trailers. Yeah, I want to say... Yeah. Whereas back in the day, it would be people in internally in the studio just chopping together I some gameplay footage, not not. This happened around the turn of the seventh console generation, HD graphics, facial animation becoming a really big deal. That's when you started seeing cinematic trailers that had uh, pre-rendered gameplay starting to look like normal gameplay. With like Call of Duty 2, for example, the E3 gameplay trailers were still like gunk of like weird techno music playing in between like blurry, highly compressed shots of video game footage that say things like, will you fight like a girl as the Conan theme plays in the background? of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now you have like, <laughs> boom, boom. An ancient evil arises. Boom, boom. When, yeah, I think Gustavo's totally on something. It used to be like techno music with text and no narration. Um, and I want to say that that switch to HD graphics, getting character facial animation to matter is when the big hiring pull from and outsourcing pull to the entertainment industry crossed a lot of cinematic techniques over to trickle them down into video game trailers and make video game trailers good through the around the turn of the the seventh console generation land out like standout trailers like i remember that original skyrim reveal really well yeah that was really good like the wall and it was like, and then dun, it phases dun. over to the villages where like people dun, are chopping dun. woods and windmills are spinning and and then it goes 
First round, first person <laughs> like dragon trailer, fight with like no HUD on the screen and these really slow, detailed animations. Do you speaking? Like, do you remember the Mass Effect Three first yeah. trailer? Yeah, no, no, the Mass Effect Two trailer that the had that the game. Two Steps from Hell music, which is a Hollywood production stock music track, was made for a really great ME Two trailer on launch too. Yeah. I remember, the, I remember the Mass Effect Three one really standing out. Like it was it the was it the Game Awards then? What was Jeff Keighley's Spike TV. award show before? Yeah, the Spike TV one. Yeah, it was like showing that, and it was like a dude in like Big Ben in London, and it was like they're coming for <laughs> us. And then it had that really somber piano, and then all of a sudden you oh. had the fucking Reapers, and then the trailer fades out with the uh, the Halo Three like, museum trailers. Like that was a big collaborative effort with Hollywood uh, effects the artists Mad and World, miniature Gears designers. Yeah, yeah. If, really if, if you like the trailer, there's probably a big deal of Hollywood collaboration, if not Hollywood influence, which means that Hideo hmm. Kojima's trailers knock them out of the fucking park these days. The 2013 E3 trailer, whoa, for MGS5, I think might actually be my favorite of all time. Nice. Good, good trailer. ass trailer. What about you, um, Matt? Yeah, I, sorry, I was doing a little research. Um, uh, yeah, Me too. I, I do do one of these <laughs> questions. Um, yeah, I I think the mo- when I was actually re-watching trailers, because I, I don't do that anymore, um, but I used to when I was younger. Back in the day, around the era of, like, Halo 3, and I think my favorite that I've actually rewatched multiple times was Gears of War 2 last day trailer and you you hear like how it ends playing the oh, background oh yeah and it's like synced with the music and I love as you can see with my videos I love when music is synced with the video and it's just I watch it multiple times and it always gives me like chills this just because uh, there was this atmosphere about Gears of War that I don't know, I really love that game back in the day. Gears of War, like, has its own little history of famous trailers. Because, like, back then, I think it was E3 2005, was the Destroyed Beauty trailer for Gears of War 1. Yeah. Which would have been right around then, the turn of the sixth console generation that uh, impressed everyone by by actually cutting your video game trailer to the music. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like there was just basic shit that video game developers did not know about editing. Really basic stuff that (laughs) didn't happen until until the seventh gen. It's 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 oh, I, I love those trailers. They're all they're all pretty good. One and two. Mad World, it got me into that. I never heard nice. of Mad World until Mad I heard World. the yeah. Gears of One trailer. All, all around me. Yeah. Are, uh, <laughs> Familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very sad and good ass, for some there, there, There's a lot of good ass trailers. Um, but I but, but. I don't know why, but it had such an effect on me. And I thought it was such a beautifully constructed trailer and highlighted almost exactly what you were going to do in the game but maybe maybe overemphasized just how much story you would have in the game and then you played the game and there was very little story at all and that was the uh, the, the <laughs> no the the breath oh, of the wild yeah. 2017 yeah, trailer like that three minute build up of where it starts out like with <laughs> the sweeping landscapes with the them. amazing <laughs> 
Like I can talk so much the shit amazing about these piano? games, but I'm right here being like, yeah, those trailers were so good. Like, Matt, I'm do you remember it now? We know, gushed right? about I, it on the DLC like, cast. It's so good. Wow, this is like, nothing. I remember like the, the game. bit was. Oh my god, seagulls! <laughs> yeah. No, like the landscape stuff, like really shows off. Like, I remember thinking, "Wow, that's a lot of different environments." I didn't picture the scale until I saw this trailer, and then like hiding the master sword in the middle. But then it goes into the story stuff, and you think, "Ah, there's gonna be a lot of story." But oh my god, like the bit where Zelda cries and shit like that. Ah, oh, it's mm-hmm. so good. Uh. Such a good Okay, trailer. well, that's that's all three of us, right? Yeah. Uh, we got another oh, question from Alexander E. <laughs> oh, this trailer I, is so yeah, good. Well, got switch modes. Yep, yep. Pla- it. Flush all those thoughts out. Get ready for a new train of thought. Alexander E. asks, Couldn't what's your opinion on ones. the GameCube exclusive Metal Gear Solid <laughs> Twin Snakes? Wait, what? How does it compare to the original? Oh, my God. What, wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you erase your name? From this email, because I don't see a name on it, but I'm pretty sure there was like, <laughs> "Hey George, I was just wondering, what's your opinion on the GameCube?" <laughs> I I do not believe Alexander E specifically directed this question to me, but we can all pick up on the implication. <laughs> yeah, the Twin Snakes. It's uh, it's all right. Not as good as the original. Fun but fact. It's okay. Fun. It's the first version of Metal Gear I played. Uh, I... <laughs> and then I went back and played the PlayStation. I played oh, half. Right? I, I played half of the... Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, Silicon Knights game. One of, Too one of the three, I believe. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I and and believe it or not, the only one that seems to have just kind of come and gone to, to schedule, to budget, without a lot of ho-hum nor fanfare on the way in or out of its existence i think eternal darkness was in development for fucking ever too human was in development for fucking ever but they cranked out the twin snakes like they they didn't miss their deadlines if i remember correctly on that i don't remember a lot of controversies following that game i know for a fact with twin snakes kojima changed so much because he hated the English script. Yeah, Jeremy Blostein and Kojima did not get along after it shipped, but they apparently got along just well when they were making it together. Uh, there's a little more to do with the fact that it was the 90s and they couldn't communicate <laughs> very well. So Jeremy just did what he wanted. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, but I, I think. I, I, that's why that's why Kojima didn't no, like it so much because I, I, the, my Jeremy theory changed a lot is that it was the 90s and stakes were lower because what are these really stupid video game bullshits English? no one cares about and that the, the, exactly in the 90s you didn't really know how much of an effect yeah they didn't know MGS like, would be a big series so I have a feeling that's why Kojima yeah. didn't care so much not necessarily because of the translation issues because there's a lot of interview material from Blostein himself talking about how he was actually closer to Kojima for that game than many of the English translators were later. Uh, the woman who did two oh, got yeah, like that, a binder yeah. in the mail 
from and some emails with Kojima's staff, whereas Blostein, I believe, got a binder from Kojima himself and was able to have a couple of meetings with him and a direct line of communication. Yeah, with Kojima him. wasn't this star back then. That's why he was he was just making shit. Well, he Konami also and, wanted a more literal you know, translation notes. for the sequels. Blostein got free reign that the other sequel translators did not. Yeah, because they after the first one, and that's why they changed so yeah. much between snakes. Like Jeremy put a lot of his own personality and stuff like that into the first game, and which is weird because a lot of like the stuff that we quote about Metal Gear was not written by Kojima and was not in the game at all in the in the Japanese version. Like a lot of the stuff we think about Metal Gear, like. You like playing Castlevania. I'm going to draw a line or, with a bullet to your heart. Yeah, like stupid, like the stupid stuff we remember that is really quotable is all like what Whereas Jeremy the wrote. Stuff and then just he gets stupid. It's, it's just stupid. It's Kojima. <laughs> and it's like that like, got a lot of praise. Jeremy got a lot of Kojima praise for that Kojima got kind of a stuff. lot of praise and for like, Jeremy's stuff. Woo. Yeah, but then Kojima was like, well, I didn't write that. Next time, we're going to make sure that everything that gets translated is is mine. Is like is almost direct of mine. And that's why so, I don't recommend unique. the Twin Snakes over the... Even though it's still fun, I think it's still worth a play. If you want to make, play a more pure Kojima-driven version, play Twin Snakes. Although the first-person mode it thing is right. It kills the boss fights, though. It's it's fun to play around with as like a novelty, yeah. but the game they did they should have remade the boss fights for that first-person aiming, and they didn't. Uh, play just play all, the all of which mode. I think are fairly like common consensus comments, except for maybe how hard we're being on Kojima here, because. The more the more you read into it behind the scenes of how Metal Gear games get translated, the less good it looks on Kojima. And the Twin Snakes, I think, was like the first major yeah. example of people noticing that, huh, even though it's the same game and supposed to be the same script, there seems like there's a little less life here. It seems like the voice actors are a little less enthusiastic. I, w I wonder what's going on. Uh, <laughs> Matt, do you do you have any comments? Nope. Not. <laughs> All right, moving on. Jordan W. asks, hey, guys, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan. Wait, George W.? Jordan W., not Jordan W. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was George W. Weedman. <laughs> Jordan W. asks, hey, guys, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan and was wondering what you guys think the odds are of Konami releasing an updated collection for current consoles and PC. You know what, Jordan? I want to like channel some some last jedi here and be like at least at least we can hold on to a spark of hope and that's all that matters i mean a metal gear solid hd collection on pc would just be for me the end point of the series because at that point you have pc ports of one to five that are competent you can't buy a pc port of one these days legally but you can find it out there and it will run better on modern operating systems better than the fucking sims will 
Wow. And if they put out, they previously made a port of MGS2 that was a lot worse than the first game on PC. No clue if they'll ever try reselling that one, but I think it is more likely for them to resell a PC port of the HD collection because they recently ported the HD collection over to Nvidia Shield, which is kind of sort of more of an Android mobile sort of architecture, but still means that they are officially supporting this IP. They put out a remaster of Zoe 2 for PlayStation VR, no less. So they are digging up old Kojima franchises and still putting, making their, their quick cash drops with it. And I actually am more optimistic about the possibility of this than I was in 2015 right now. Because sometimes you see stuff just pop up on PC these days. Yakuza! The, a lot... I don't know if I want to say the majority, but a lot of the Yakuza franchise just suddenly appeared this year on PC on Steam. And I have a feeling that that's uh, a story we've seen of the past generation, console generation, as Japanese developers waking up to just how much of an audience there is on PC, because it's not something they're used to. PC gaming's not popular in Japan. It really is everywhere else in the world, including other Asian countries. Um, and the PC sales also don't follow that, like, typical first two weeks splash of, of you having to make back all your development costs as soon as the launch happens. It's more of a slow burn, long term thing, still viable. Uh, it doesn't really follow the Japanese method, but they are picking up on it, and it's been really cool to see. It's been really cool to see uh, translation houses like uh, 8.4 pop up, like Dangan uh, pop up. A lot of the work our, our friend Nayan Ramachandran does uh, has. Re- directly plugged into this part of the Japanese game industry that's rejuvenized their presence yeah. on PC. And I, all of the above reasons are why I am more optimistic, though there is nothing official. I just think the environment is there. The market is better suited for it. And Konami themselves seems to have wisened up for it since 2015. Boom. <sighs> Konami. That was a mouthful, I realized. I'm kind of out of breath. You've, you. <laughs> Liam, you like should know this stuff too, because you're you're plugged into that world. You know a lot of expats who do work with the Japanese game industry to outsource and export their uh, stuff for the rest of us. We're seeing a we lot are. more of it. Like, yeah. that's true. And I it mean, is because you of your it, friends like, you know, in a got... like weird economically at large yeah. scale economic in a weird way. way. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, Dungan, those guys are doing really cool stuff where they're just basically taking games that in the West wouldn't get released in Japan. And then they're releasing it here in Japan and seeing how it does, you know, like iconoclasts, they, they published that over here. They're publishing like pocket rumble, which came out on switch this week. Like they're publishing it in Japan. They're publishing games that traditionally wouldn't get released in Japan. So Japanese gamers can play Western games, but on the flip side, they're also publishing Japanese games into the West as well. And, you know, we're seeing stuff that they're doing. And then, you know, you've got places like eight, four, but eight, four do, a4 do bigger work. No, I don't want to say bigger work. I mean, A4 do Nier. like, they do jobs yeah. for Nintendo. They do Nier. The, the superstar like, stuff. The, like, yeah, like Roy, who's a really, really good friend of mine. I love Roy to death. He was like the project manager for Xenoblade Chronicles X. Like, the 84 <laughs> 8-4 are trusted by Nintendo. You know, they're really close with like Bill Trennan and some guys at Nintendo. They do amazing work on the Fire Emblem series. Like, those guys have got their shit like down. And... Like, if you're interested in reading about them, if you don't know about A4, they also do a podcast. Like, there was a Guardian article. Like, a Guardian, like, the the fucking, one of the the most 
respected newspaper outlets in the UK, like The Guardian, wrote an article about 8.4 on the work they do in Japan. And uh, John Ricciardi, uh, goes, who uh, co-founded 8.4, go into great detail about like the work they do, how you know it started, and uh, the sort of the importance of localization. Like, there's something John says that, you know, he said to me, like, multiple times. It's like, people only notice localization when it's bad. And I also want to point out, like, like, another factor to this. In addition to there being, A, a big demand for PC ports, because, B, PC gaming is really popular everywhere in the world except Japan and the States in a weird way. Um, And, C, there being this big cottage industry of expats living in Japan who will plead personally in the faces of Japanese developers who don't know this stuff as well as them to make ports. Yeah, like, your game's great! Like, put it put it on the PC! They, like, they really, like, a lot do of times don't we, know. And you, like, realize it when walking around with Japan. I was... The, like, the Tales series is, like, I think one of the best examples. Like, the Tales series, you know, does pretty okay on, like, consoles in the West. Like, you know, it's, it's still stuck around, but like on PC, those games sold like in the hundreds of thousands on Steam. But, like but in that in first addition, couple of weeks. In addition, like, you have the shared x86 architecture, which means that if Konami decides they want to make an HD collection of Metal Gear Solid for PS4, as they dug up their old PS2 game of Zone of the Enders 2 and made an HD remaster of it for PS4, if they make an H- if they dig up the old versions of Metal Gear Solid and make an HD remaster for their consoles, which they're used to making stuff for, that they know they'll make money for, they have a build that is not necessarily ready for the PC, but will at least not take as much work <clears throat> in generations past to port over to PC as it would this time. I mean, stuff always takes work, but yeah, it's like we live in a world now where people make stuff on all the same similar they engines have similar that all have the same now. similar architecture. Yes, and it's like, you know, it's if you're making a game in Unity, you can release it on PlayStation 4, Switch, Xbox One, VR and PC. Platforms and, too. Yeah, exactly. It's like Japanese developers are slowly moving away from in-house engines to Unreal. En- you know, like, for example, Octopath Traveler is made, like, in the Unreal Engine. So, you know, when you've got, like, Square Enix, like, making, like, fully-fledged Japanese RPGs in, like, Unreal and Western engines that can be ported to a lot of platforms, it's like, well, anyone can do And anything. I think I want to, yeah. like, point out, don't <laughs> underestimate the importance of, like, culture and environment. Because I-, I saw some comments... In a, in a Reddit thread about localizing that was just, like, bewildered that Japan hadn't jumped on this bandwagon sooner and that they don't jump on this bandwagon more often in terms of making PC ports for the rest of the world. But you really don't see PC gaming most of the place in Japan. In Akihabara, there's a few, a lot of build-your-own-PC stores, but elsewhere, like, their world is not accommodating to that like it's there's they've got space concerns and environmental concerns and power consumption concerns that that make it something that literally would not pop up in the back of a mind of a japanese executive who themselves would love to know more about pc gaming and how to make money with it well you've also got to remember like until maybe i don't know i I, it's always it's always been around in something but uh, until like four or five years ago pc gaming in japan was just like not a thing like it's only recently that there Which has been a change. Factor and you notice the change because yeah, like in Akihabara, like in Aki, you see PC stores now. 
Like you see, Reza has like a pop-up shop in Akihabara. Like you, you see the changes now. Whereas before there was just like none of that. There was no like PC game stores. There was no buying the pro Razer keyboard and Razer mouse also, and stuff like that. Physical media. PC gaming is still wasn't a the thing. normal way to buy games in Japan. And digital media is the normal way yeah. to buy games on a PC gamer rig from Azes. Yeah. That's true. But that's the you know Japanese are kind of slow to adopt these things, and they historically slow always have. But you know they'll get there, and then we'll quality. see. Most most of the Japanese releases in the future will be on PC as well. You know, we got Monster Hunter we got coming in August. Bayonetta. That's like a, I feel like once Bayonetta and Vanquish yeah, Bay- made the switch, like that, that affirmed that the trend yeah. exists. Like that means it's a real thing. And I'm pretty sure it was because of like, English speakers arguing in the faces of Platinum developers about the importance of of this thing and how much money they could be making from from it. Yeah, I'll honestly say I I truly think like with games like Final Fantasy 15 and Monster Hunter World, like big AAA Japanese studio games, like they're only on PC because of the West, like. They're not there because Japan wants them or there's a market for it in Japan. They're, I think they're specifically there because there are so many PC gamers you know, or so many people who played those games on consoles back in the day who now have progressed to playing games on PC. And that's where they want to play it because that's where they get the best looking games, the best running games, you know? So it, it, it'll change. Slowly. If, if also the, the niche and retains it is their because Because PC gaming, I feel is on its way out in a generational way. If you go to a store... But that's the thing, it's not really niche. Like, it, like people buy crap on the Steam yeah, sales. But like, they buy crap, you can't right? go to a store Some random dude a who's never like seen it. used to be able to. No, but, it, but if so many people in the West already have these PCs anyway, like, you've been... You built a custom-built PC and you've played The Sims it's and Morrowind. It's not mainstream, like, You're though. the exact type. No, but the point is, like... People just buy games on Steam. I just, they just buy wonder them. if they Whether will in 10 play years them after. Because like, the Switch has had so much success that I imagine that the future generations of consoles are going to try to converge handheld formats. And PCs have been phased out of brick-and-mortar retail to the point where kids more grow up with laptops and tablets, is, is what I'm getting at. And I think that when the people of our generation and and of the next like kids these days who are building gaming PCs when they get old and lose interest i wonder if there'll be a generation b- below them who still will have grown up with PC gaming and will be buying these things in like the 2030s i don't know as long as like mobas and mobas might do it MMOs i mean it might still, still be a big thing mass- in asia actually and not in the west in the future We'll see. That's a weird, that's a hot take I don't want to put on Twitter, but I would not be surprised if PC gaming becomes yeah. more of an Asian thing <laughs> than a Western thing because of... Uh, <laughs> you mean like a more Ch- Korean, Korean and China, Chinese yeah. thing? <laughs> like, because MOBAs are popular in Japan on phones. <laughs> like, PUBG is super popular in Japan. It's just not PUBG. It's called Knives Out, and it's on mobile phones, and it's a PUBG clone, and it's got like 3 million players. Oh. Japan is PC weird. game is gonna be Japan is weird, man. Cleared out. I mean, I guess I have a different perspective because I. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm just there. more I'm like in the middle shitty. of it. You know, I see young kids come in all the time building their stuff because they want to stream. Oh yeah, or they want to. 
That's the Willy oh, Wonka. And, <laughs> and the marketing for PC hardware is so much more geared towards like gaming as a profession now. Yeah. And that wasn't. Yeah, like, exactly, building, right? Buying a computer is. You get blasted with so much more of that than you used to. A lot of people come in just to, because they want to play Fortnite. They want to play Fortnite. <laughs> they want to play PUBG. Whatever is new, uh, Overwatch, I hear that a lot. And then that's funny. That dynamic wasn't there in. when I was growing up. Yeah, I, like there were no PC system sellers. There were no killer apps that kids would buy PCs for. <laughs> I mean, and like it was just the like the promise of a better now. experience. I would say it's way PC game is way bigger than it was before. Like we didn't have Fortnite back in the day. And that's weird because Legends. if you go to a Best Buy or a Walmart or a Target, there's no not a PC section. Well, there's, well, there's a PC barely section a PC now. section at Best Buy. Well, I guess what you, there's a PC section at Best Buy now. Uh, yeah, I, I I was at Best Buy. The PC section, I did not see PCs. I saw PC accessories. I was at Target searching for PC accessories and couldn't find any. I wanted... I wanted a surge protector and an ergonomic like keyboard wrist rest. They did not have the wrist rest. They did have the surge protectors. Yeah, but keyboards what... and like mouse pads are just not there. Printers. Uh, I, I, yeah, Target is definitely different. Best Buy will have some stuff if it's by a competitor, which the one that's by me is by a competitor. That's why. That's why they stock some stuff. So I'd be interested in actually knowing, because that's all anecdotal. Like, like my assumption of PC gaming going away is me just seeing what brick and mortar look like when I'm there. I wonder what the actual statistics are, because maybe there is a larger market of people ordering gaming PCs than there used to be of the size of market of mainstream people buying regular, like, home office PCs so all in I, years past. I mean, all I could do is offer, like what i see i don't know if this mm -hmm. is like the the grand thing but people would come in um because you can't really as you say you can't really go in and get a pc so they go into a, a store like a, a tech store um like the one i work at and they're able to just kind of pick out parts and they say oh man this is much easier than going on on newegg because most of the time most people are just ordering from newegg all the time you're guilty as charged i mean you know i went like half and half with this one um and and that's and that's kind of what it is and and that's why like in order for because the retail is like dying dying hard yeah. um, which is sad to watch in order to stay alive people Ugh. have to do like amazing customer service or uh, and offer the deals the people the things that get them into the door you know, kind of like what the uh, job market, you know, like, um, for instance, like Micro Center will sell processors um, at like a low cost, like $100 cheaper than everyone else. Uh, just to get people through the door so they can build a PC with them instead of building it at Newegg or Amazon or whatever like that. So, that's so the parts will be cheaper, but there's still some way they got to make the difference somehow. Yeah. And that's with the, the checkout line. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's his business. But like, yeah, when, that's, when you that's, throw your USB disc in the in the grocery cart, yeah. it's like twenty dollars more than it should be. <laughs> but that's because your processor was a hundred dollars less than it should be. Yeah, you know they have to make up from selling at cost. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
but it's not that big that there should be all types of tech stores like that with PCs and stuff like that. It all depends on the area. Yeah. But yeah. Because the general like neighborhood electronic store no longer has computer stuff. And that has me afraid for the future of PC gaming. I mean, if the cloud thing actually picks up, that might be tight. If it, that's still different. That's not like a PC that you go to the store and buy and your whole Steam library yeah, suddenly PC would, would be like, have to be compatible. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would completely still like change things to a point where it would leave. I, yeah, I am scared for exactly that. Yeah, the cloud gaming goes crazy and, you know, that, everyone that has that is fiber why I am scared. You know, 10 years from now. And oh man, we should we should go. We should go. Although <laughs> we should it's hard to podcast now. <laughs> yeah, because because we've been going on for too long, and you guys got work and shit. Yeah, and floods. Yeah, I gotta go to work now. <laughs> Actually, shit. We talked about floods. We didn't we? Oh my god, that was for an age. Over two hours. Wow, is this the longest dad and We have to on pull record? ourselves away from each other. Like, like, stop making out with one another in the middle of public and, and move on with, with our lives. Cause you guys got important shit to do. And I hope I do. <laughs> Playing the Sims 2 yeah, does I'm not writing count, a follow up video on my project W and I hope I can get it out before the weekend's over. Hey, that was dad and sons. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck with your video, George. Or, George, as you would say in your near Otanta video, gun bate. Do your best. But don't self destruct in the process. Uh, nice pronunciation. <laughs> 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 Get your death and pictures in, or it's weird.